Hello guys, welcome to this new episode of Entertainment Rebooted. I am your host today, the guy who is called old, the support main who rushes mid and just dies every single time, Sava. I am joined by my co-hosts for today. We got Natalie. Hello everybody. And we got Isabel. Hey guys. Who has a nickname that, you know, has forever been banned and shunned until, you know, I learned how to edit. Uh, but I feel like despite, you know, she might, you know, cut those episodes, those jokes. But this is getting cut out of the intro. This is getting cut. Ah, <laughs> we're off to a bad start. But anyway, regardless, we're back here again. We, you know, what are we talking about? So what this is what happens when you don't script your intros. Oh, calm down. You, relax. Listen, what we're talking about today. Natalie's going to talk about, you know, her rings of power. Episode seven, the eye. Episode eight, alloyed. Uh, we're going to have our thoughts on Isabel's segment which was what exactly, Isabel? Would you like to enlighten us? I am telling you guys if Hocus Pocus 2 is worth a watch. Which I think it might be, you know, but that is, you know, we're jumping the gun on that. And then after Isabel's talk on Hocus Pocus, we have my eSports update. And then we're going to spice things up at the very, very end with a nice Minecraft parody tier list so you don't want to miss it at all. So without further ado, let's get right into Rings of Power. Woo! Yes. So, um, Sava, you actually missed the last podcast. I did indeed. Where we were talking about five and six. So at the end of episode six, there was our, we finally got our battle in the Southlands. Okay. The Numenorians came in, convergence of those two plot lines. And we won for a moment, but um, Adar and the orcs got the evil dagger thing that Theo had. Which apparently is a key. And so even though we won the battle, one of the evil Southlanders who apparently joins with a bad guy, which, again, guys, never join with a bad guy. It always works out horribly for you. But these people did not get the memo, apparently, so they did. One of them runs off with the dagger, and he's allowed to do so because nobody checks the suspicious bundle that looks nothing like the dagger of course and turns out it's not it's an axe it's just a regular wood chopping like forearm length axe and yeah he gets away he puts the key in the keyhole twists it releases some water and that causes a volcanic eruption it's the first eruption of mount doom so that's pretty cool but we were trashing it a bit last episode because there was a pyroclastic flow and it was a very big pyroclastic flow. Okay. And all of the main characters survive this I'm, pyroclastic flow. Okay, despite so... It's smacking them in the face. One, Galadriel is standing outside in the middle of the street, and she gets slapped in the face with it, and she's fine. So she got slapped in the face with, quite literally, what could be described as hot lava, or pyroclastic, or excuse me, pyroclastic flow, yeah, technically. So the pyroclastic flow, the, you know, 300 mile per hour, Rocks. 300... Degree Fahrenheit to 1,800 degree Fahrenheit, you know, give or take. Super hot, super fast moving, instant death. Yes, she gets smacked in the face and gets knocked down. And I'm, I'm sorry, but I would consider her dead. Like, yeah, nah, she's literally the entire village should be wiped out. We determined that it is in theory possible to survive if you have good enough shelter. And if the heat from the volcano, because in the first episode we established that Evil doesn't necessarily give off heat. Mm -hmm. So since it was Mount Doom, I thought that that could be a clever way to get around that. If we just say, oh, well, the pyroclastic flow doesn't have any heat because it's so evil. Yeah. 
but that has not been established. So um, I don't know if that's their little headcanon, but they didn't put it in the episode. So I'm going to, I'm not going to give them the benefit on the doubt for that. You have to, you have to establish it. Sorry. I mean, sounds like I missed an interesting but, one, yeah. but I mean, who knows? Conspiracy theory, tinfoil hat on the mm-hmm. lava may be evil, Maybe. even though it gave off heat. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, it, it certainly is. It's Mount Doom. I mean, it's in, <laughs> it, it's implied in the name, Mount yeah, Doom. It should like, be literally, evil. No. Anyway, yeah, but so, what can you tell us about episode seven, you know, yeah. The Eye? The Eye opens off right where we left off with Galadriel having been smacked in the face with the most selectively destructive pyroclastic flow in the history of anything. Everything is covered in red ash, and Galadriel looks like a Cheeto. The buildings are burning. We have a flaming horse running across the screen. Unfortunately, while we came up with the amazing idea in the last episode for um, all the Southlanders who died in the pyroclastic flow to be like plaster mummies, kind of like what happened in Pompeii, um, that is not the case. There are none to be seen. We do have some burnt bodies on the ground of, you know, the nameless Southlander extras that were doomed to die. Just for existing. So people did die. Yeah, no, people did die. They're all surrounding oh, but the main... Galadriel. Oh. Who doesn't have, like, any burns or anything. She's just, like, she's covered in, like, Cheeto dust. And then that's <laughs> it. <laughs> and not not regular Cheetos. Like, you know, the spicy Cheetos? Yeah, yeah. Like, the red the Cheetos? The super hot yeah. ones. Oh, that That is God. what she's covered in. And she's, like, she doesn't look, like, injured at all from that. She stands up. And, again... Maybe elves are super resistant to fire. I mean, Mithril's magic now, so maybe this is another thing that they're they're adding. But, like, that hadn't been... Nothing had been established for that, so I'm not 100% sure why she's alive. But elves have to be resistant to fire because they're so hot. Ah, uh, maybe. Not with that short hair, though. Mm, fair. Yeah, the, fair. Fair the, enough, though. Um, if Galadriel the, has long hair. So. If they ha- if, well, maybe that's why that's, she lived, because yeah, she had the long that's hair. That's why she lived, yes. Ah, it's all making sense now. Yes, but Arondir lived, too. And mm. he's, he's got, like, buzz cut. Boo. Yeah, not a fan. <laughs> yeah, so um, everybody is around Galadriel, all the dead bodies. She is not one of them. Theo is not one of them either, because she bumps into them, or she bumps into him. And they're not able to find Halbrand, Elendil, Bronwyn, or anybody else. Um, so they just kind of, like, head away from town together because it's, like, a complete wasteland now because the volcano destroyed everything. So they're trying to get out of the ash cloud. You know, pretty smart. Okay. It's like, all right, yeah. In another part of the village, Isildur and Muriel are trying to pull Valandil, Isildur's friend, out from under the debris, which reveals Ontimo's dead body, which is their other friend who, like... I just learned his name in the like the last episode. Pour one out for the homie. <laughs> yeah, poor guy. Um, in his body, like, his body is not enveloped in the pyroclastic plaster. It's not burned beyond recognition. It's you know just him laying there with you know dead-eyed stare to the ceiling kind of thing. <laughs> um, his plot armor must have been like SPF 15 while everybody else <laughs> was SPF 300. <laughs> He should have reapp- sh- reapplied. I'm should sorry. have. It's like you got to reapply like every hour. <laughs> yeah. Like, is it not like every hour? Clearly. That's like, just so sad. This guy's never been to the beach, obviously. He, he had the cheap like discount he, drug He mart. lives in like the an island kingdom. He should be at the beach. He should know how, you know, SPF works and but, that you need to reapply. Fair. Um, but yeah, so they just kind of leave him there because they, they can't really do much about him. Okay. 
Muriel, Isildur, and Volandir run to a burning building where some children were taking shelter, you know, from the pyroclastic flow, like the smart people. Right. Uh, Muriel gets knocked away. The ceiling collapses. And in the words of this episode's Collider article, seemingly crushing Isildur below it. Because, again, nobody with half a brain is going to think that this kid is dead until Elendil has another Isildur, which isn't likely to happen anytime soon with his wife being dead. So basically plot armor. So basically, so so let me get this straight. The ceiling collapses. Any sane person would be like, oh, my friend is probably dead. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the show is just like seemingly crushes him. Well, I mean, the show's not like doing that. That's the Collider article the, the col- that yeah. I was referencing. But it's like, it's kind of funny because this seems, these, these Collider articles paint the show in like a really positive light. And I don't have a problem with that. But some of the things that they say is, is it's kind of funny because I'm like, okay, you can call out like these little things. There's like, you don't have to be like, oh, this is the most like touching, touching dramatic, heart warming like like whatever like all these big charged adjectives like this is like amazing you can't, you don't have to take it for granted that the show is accomplishing what it means to accomplish right like that doesn't make it a bad show all the time i'm i'm still enjoying it but you know you don't have to completely bend over backwards trying to praise it either and like not acknowledge anything why use many words when few words mm-hmm. do trick yeah and in this case though, though they they're even like seemingly crushing a sealed or below because they know he's not dead <laughs> everybody knows he's not dead every single person you are fooling no one can we not like i mean i understand why the characters would think he's dead but for an audience member who's like this guy's not dead stop stop dwelling on this like it- i there's no drama here because he's not dead. He literally cannot be. He's one of the five characters that that is not going to work with. You're like, in your head, like an audience member was probably like, there's like a 95% chance that he is still alive. No, it's like 99.95. Because like maybe in the future, like the only way that he could be dead is if Elendil gets another girlfriend or marries somebody else has a child with that person, <laughs> names the child a Sealdor, and then keeps going. And then, like, you know, we have a time skip for, like, 18 years or oh. however long it's going to take <laughs> a Sealdor to grow up into whatever age he was in the Last Alliance and, you know, the prologue for Fellowship of the Ring. Like, unless we're going to do a time skip like that, which I don't think we are because we're already compressing a bunch of time. We're compressing, like, 3,000 years. Oh, yeah. Of lore into the story. I highly doubt that they're going to take like a 20 year time skip so Elendil can have a second Isildur because they killed off the first one. I highly doubt, I, I don't think this is going to happen. I don't think that's going to happen. I'm sorry. You're like, good. You're, I'm not going to buy that this guy is dead until I see a baby Isil, okay? That's not going to happen. Um, the Harfoot migration finally reaches the grove. However, they find scorched trees there. Apparently, despite being by the southern tip of the Greenwood, Mount Doom fallout has reached them, taking out all of the apples. Um, for geography reference, there's the Greenwood, mm-hmm. which spans most of the map, but like not all the way down. It's pretty large forest. Um, then there are the Brownlands, which is like kind of like deserted desert nothingness kind of thing and then there's mordor so we're talking like at least easily like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles probably 
And it just so spanned is, across all of that. Yeah. So there was wow. debris from this volcano. And that's not even including, that would be assuming that Mount Doom was on the border of Mordor. It's not. It's not too far, you know, relatively speaking. It's pretty close to the northern border of Mordor. But there is, there is a gap between Mount Doom and then the northern mountains of Mordor. So there's that area, too. Now, I mean, that could, I guess, happen if it's, like, big enough explosion with enough force. I, I don't know how big this is. This is fantasy volcanic explosion. But, again, how are these people that were right next to it not dead then if it was that big? It's like apocalyptic volcanic eruption. And Galadriel just, you know, stands up covered in Cheeto dust <laughs> and then does a Taylor Swift and shakes it off. Um, so in the Grove, Sadok says that when new evil rises, long dormant volcanoes will become active. And because apparently um, Nori does not see how she played stupid games and won stupid prizes in the last episode. Um, yeah, in the last episode, um, the stranger guy um, saved her mm -hmm. and then he got hurt and then he was trying to heal himself from it. Okay. And then she made like a kid touching a cold piece of metal and touched his arm while he was trying to like use magic to ice it. Yeah. And then her hand got stuck to it. And then she got like thrown back at some point. And it's like apparently like she got hurt or spooked or something. But she was like, oh, you, you're so dangerous now. And I'm like, why'd you touch the magic man while he's <laughs> icing his arm? Like, let the dude heal in peace. Okay. But, yeah, she does not understand this. She interpreted that completely different than I did. She blames the stranger and thinks that now he might be evil. Sure, Nori. Maybe I'd be worried if you didn't create the situation yourself. Sadok, however, has fully realized Meteor Man's potential, and he asks if the good old fellow would mind fixing the grove for them. Maybe Gandalf agrees, bless his heart, and tries to enchant the tree. It starts working, and Nori's little sibling stupidly moves closer to it. And, of course, a big branch falls on her and Nori, who ran to shield her. The stranger looks distraught, and Nori looks suspicious, because of course she does, because this is his fault, too. Even though he was doing something to try to help him that he was specifically asked to do. It's clearly an accident as well. So, yeah, maybe don't stand under the dying tree while somebody is trying to use magic to revive it. Um, she doesn't see how Harfoot's stupidity is creating all the issues. You know how Kraus Hall is like under renovation and surrounded by fencing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I climbed over the fence and got hit by a falling piece of building, that would be my fault. Maybe <laughs> don't stand beneath the dead, brittle-looking tree that Mr. Magic is trying to resuscitate for you. <laughs> you, say, you say Mr. Magic, and it's like I had in my head... I'm like imagining like okay you know they're trying to he's trying to resurrect this tree and whatnot. You calling him Mr. Magic? I had like the Mr. Magic like eraser guy <laughs> pop up in my head and just stand there like like trying to fix this tree. And he's just like wearing a white t-shirt, you know, everything. However, it looks I'm like his shining bald head is just like shining. I'm like, no, nah, I don't think that's what he looks like. No, no. <laughs> he looks he looks very similar to Gandalf. Like um, obviously not the same actor. But very much like very reminiscent. Like he's clearly a wizard <laughs> of some kind or a being similar to the wizards. OK. At this point, like I I've been guessing he's Gandalf basically from the beginning. 
and we'll we'll get into that. I have my thoughts on the finale, which we'll also be going into. Okay. Episode eight, Alloyed, is the finale. It's the last episode of season one. Um, so that is going to be happening in Casa Doom. Elrond and Durin are pleading their case to King Durin. Um, again, this is the Magic Mithril plotline, which I do not like at all. I've, there's nothing in the lore that I can remember that would make me think that Mithril has the power to save the elven race from fading from the dark energy that is um, gathering in Middle-earth. Like, I I don't see how Mithril is going to do It's valuable? Yes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's strong. It's, like, super light and super strong. But, like, Bilbo has a Mithril shirt that he gives to Frodo. Mm-hmm that's what it does it's a mithril like armor shirt like chainmail yeah. kind of thing that's what it does it's super light super durable it stops frodo from getting skewered by a troll in moria so it's super useful super valuable but it doesn't like it doesn't have the power to drive away like dark forces no that <laughs> and there is something that can kind of do that frodo has the the file of galadriel that she gives him and he can use that to, like, chase away Shelob to some extent. Mm-hmm. And that is because it has the light of one of the Silmarils in it. Like, Elendil's star, which is, like, one of the three Sim- Silmarils that, like, goes across the sky every night. Um, like, Elrond's father has to... Um, I think I said Elendil. That, that's not the right name. But um, that goes across the sky every night. That's one of the, like, Silmarils. Really valuable, really powerful gems. Mm-hmm. Well, in this verse, apparently, the Silmarils, the light of the Silmarils, like, entered into the Mithril somehow when there was, like, a Balrog and an elf fighting. Lightning struck a tree, and then, bam, the Mithril is magic now because it has it reflects the light of the Silmarils, which, I again, no, I don't think that's the case. But whatever. It's not enough to completely destroy my enjoyment of it. It's just one direction that I just really, I don't think that's, right i it doesn't make sense to me it's just like one of those odd things it's like okay that's an interesting like weird obscure thing that happened anyway back to the main plot it's like one of those you're just like i mean if it was like if they did the same kind of thing in their own show like with their own like it's not middle earth it's not like if you can make a magic ore Mm -hmm. that could do that but i'm like mithril has never done that so i was like why would you why would you do that? Like the rings of power, which eventually is going to be what happens to chase the darkness away so the elves can stay there. Mm-hmm. That makes perfect sense to me. But the mithril by itself, you, no. Did it feel like side question, like on this whole like side, you know, discussion about this. Do you feel like that the mithril was made like magical one? Not just to like kind of like be a sort of filler in a sense or to, like just to make more airtime? Or do you think that like, they were like, no, let's totally do this because we want this to be added for lore reasons or something. Um, I would say not lore reasons because, as I said, I unless I'm missing something, which I really don't think I, honor- I, I am. I honestly don't think you are. I don't think I am. Um, it's not in the lore that Mithril does this, so it's not something that they added for this. There is another choice that they're making, which I'm like, I don't hate it, but it's not exactly what i was looking for and that's not what i thought that they were going to do Mm -hmm. based on the direction that they had seemed to have been going 
Um, I'll get into that more with episode eight as well. Um, but that actually does have lore basis okay. for that one. But for this one, I don't really think so. That's not really what it is. I don't want to say it's for filler either. I think that it was just something that they were doing for plot reasons. Yes. So that they can, like, this is how they're going to get their plot going. Okay. This is the, what's going to kickstart a kind of rift between the elves and the dwarves, I guess. I think that's kind of what they were doing. Okay. But not necessarily just like a, oh, um, I need to add 20 minutes to this season now, so I'm just going to throw in this. I don't think it's like that. Okay. But they're asking, like, Durin and Elrond got together to discuss how the elven race is going to either have to die or leave Middle-earth because they're fading from the not having the mithril from the darkness or something, whatever. Um, safe to say, asking for such vast quantities of the uber-valuable magic mithril that apparently saves the elves is a big ask, just like you would think it is. Understandably so. Yes. Um, but because dwarves are far better than they are given credit for, King Durin does not refuse just because of the value of mithril, which honestly wouldn't be that bad either, in my opinion. Like, if it's, like, a super valuable possession, like, asset of your people, should you just be expected to just, like, give it away to other people just to help them? Like, okay, maybe not. But um, he doesn't refuse for that reason. He doesn't even want to mine it himself. And the reason for that is because it's been shown to be kind of dangerous to do. Like, there have been cave-ins, there have been, like, issues with mining it before any of this came up, yeah. that like Durin and King Durin have argued over this before. So he doesn't want to mine it himself. He's concerned about the well-being of his people, saying that they do not dig into earth that cannot support it, tempting shadow, rock, and flame. I mean, mine, to bury them all beneath the mountain. He's not going to risk the lives of his people to help the elves cheat death. Seems Which, reasonable. Yes, I do see where Durin is coming from here. Helping your allies is important, but you're not able to help more than you are physically capable of doing, and it doesn't make sense to risk the lives of your people in doing so. However, I don't think he knows that the Balrog is down there, because, spoiler alert, there is a Balrog down there. I know, shocker to everybody. Nobody could have guessed. Who saw that one coming? <laughs> Nobody could have guessed this massive twist reveal. There is a Balrog down there. But he does not know about it, I don't think. That has not been established that he knows about it. And mining mithril, like I said, is dangerous. But it does seem like it can be done somewhat carefully because they have mined it before. It's not like every time they mine it, there's a cave-in. Like, I mean, we did see one cave-in that was presumably a result of this. But I feel like, I mean, it's not just digging for mithril that causes cave-ins. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's, like, how much more dangerous is it to mine mithril specifically than it would be to mine gold? Now, like the sh like I said, the show is saying that it is significantly more dangerous, but I don't see necessarily how, unless it's tied into the stupid magic mithril thing. <laughs> maybe that's why. Maybe... Maybe I'm just choosing to overlook that because the, I don't want to think about it. The mithril, <laughs> the mithril is so magical that it, like, if you mine too much of it, uh, the earth just says, nah, I'm going to crumble and kill you. Yes, that is that that might be it. So maybe Durin does have a point here. But maybe. I do wonder, 
if King Durin would be of the same mind had the situations been reversed and it was his people dying and the elves had some kind of magical substance in vast quantities that could save them. Because I seem to remember that being the reason that King Thranduil gives in the Hobbit series for not helping the dwarves after Smaug takes their mountain. Mm. And the dwarves are less than pleased about this, you know, for understandable reasons, because Thranduil could have at least sent them food, to be fair. Right. Like, just don't just leave them to dry I think altogether. You, I but. think you can give up food easier than you can give up magical mithril that is, like, mm-hmm. very, very dangerous to mine. Yeah. But, I mean, that's, my, just, that's just me. Yeah. But my point is, is that... Not wanting to risk your people is his motivation. It's his reasoning that he gives. Again, the food should have done that. But as for not helping them try to save them from the dragon itself, like, that's what he says. And he's, like, Thorin and all the other dwarves really are not too happy about this. So, obviously, King Durin is not Thorin or any of the dwarves in the Third Age. So I can't really be like, oh, well, this dwarf was mad, so this guy would be mad too. But I am curious to see how this logic would hold up, like, if he would be quite so understanding about, because, I mean, like, he's he's pretty callous about it. He's not just like, hey, son, like, I'm sorry, I know he's your friend, but, you know, this is really dangerous. Our people have been dying in droves because of this mining. I We talked about this before. We can't mine it for, it's like, he's not, like, explaining it like this, he's, he literally says, like, I'm not going to risk the lives of our people to help the elves cheat death. And saying elves cheat death is kind of mean-spirited a bit, in my opinion, towards the elves. Because, I mean, that's just how they are. They were made to be immortal. To say, like, I was going to say, like, they live for, quota- like, in quotations, like, basically all of eternity. Yeah, it's like, that. I don't want to say that's not their fault. Like, that's a bad thing about them, but... Like, it seems like a very mean-spirited way of putting it, kind of like they don't deserve to live that long, that they should just die because, well, everybody else dies, so it's finally your turn (laughs) to die now, you loser elves with your short hair. Only the short hair elves (laughs) die first. All the the long hair elves, you You know, that might be why all the elves in the <laughs> hobbit and lord of the rings because you you see a quite quite a few elves in those trilogies mm-hmm. that might be why they all have long hair it's like darwinism survival of the fittest <laughs> and most beautiful and most elf-like that is i bet what happens so like maybe maybe the the rings of power aren't strong enough to save all elves so they just save the ones with the really awesome luscious long hair it's all starting to come together now <laughs> i mean we have to have some people for those l'oreal commercials oh man yes um, in a similar vein uh, to the dwarves of the Third Age, Disa is not pleased either about this um, Durin's proclamation calling the king, and I quote, a lice-bearded, uncaring old fool. Apparently wow. she does not care that much for her father-in-law. <laughs> uh, Durin breaks the news to Elrond, and Elrond goes to leave sadly and gives back the mithril ingot that Durin gave him as a token of their friendship. What message would that send to you? Friendship over. Thank you. No longer BFFs. Also, complete. Thank you. Side note with the lice beard comment. Does, like, do you? Like, nah, never mind. I was about to ask, like, does it seem like I would have lice in my beard? But then I'm like, no, I don't think I do. Like, I think my beard is, we're good. But yeah. if someone, but, if, but, as, but as a gentleman, as a gentleman with a beard, if someone said I had lice, why are you looking at me? 
I'm checking out that beard. Making sure it doesn't have any lice in it, you asked. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if someone said to me as a bearded gentleman that uh, I'm a lice-bearded old fool, I would be like, uh, yeah, friendship over. Uh, give me back the mithril or just get out of my home, you know, but... Well, I mean, she called the king that. Like, we're talking about, like, Elrond and Prince Durin. I know it's a little confusing oh, because no, both okay. of them are called Durin. Yeah. All right, no, the king right, is yeah. Durin and the prince is Durin. Her I, husband I, I is had, also I Durin. had my Durins mixed up yeah. there. Crossing the Durin line. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, as a person with a beard, that is yeah. what you would think because, you know, Friendship over. Prince like, Durin also out. has a beard, so you, right. know, you probably just, think the same. Yeah, go go away. Like why? Like, like, I mean, I you? get what he was doing because it's kind of like I'm sure he was thinking of it as like a, oh well, you know, your your king won't give me give us the mithril. I'm not going to take this like to take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. It belongs to your people. Kind of, you know, something like that is probably where his head was going. But I'm like, no. I would take that as a renunciation of the friendship, too, especially since you just, like, essentially doomed your friend's race. And then he's like, oh, no, it's okay. Uh, Here's this token of friendship that you gave me. Like, nah, stupid Elrond. (laughs) Durin is upset and shoves the ingot to the other side of the table where it lands by the rotting leaf that Elrond apparently carried around as proof that the elves were dying, I guess. And Lissai, the leaf magically turns yellow again, even though it's not even attached to the tree anymore. So technically should already be dead, like even without the magic evil rot on it. But you know what? It's it's like a tree from Linden, so it might be a magic tree. So, you know, maybe that's why it magic like, or magic back. tree. There's a lot of magic. Yes. So a lot of magic things going on. Yeah, and apparently Mithril is, in fact, one of them. At least that's what I think we're supposed to take away from this scene. The magic ingot rolls next to the dying rock-covered leaf, and all the rot's just, like, begun. Mr. Cleans it. It's all out now. (laughs) And so, yeah, apparently Mithril is really magic because that is what you can really only take away from that. And I still like it, as you can probably tell. Obviously, since now they know it will work, I, I guess they weren't really sure before. I thought that they were pretty sure before. They didn't double check. They didn't they, fact check. Yeah, but I, I thought they were sure. I mean, that's Durin, the prince, the friend, and the husband, Durin, Durin too. He, um, he like, agreed when Elrond was just saying, hey, you know, like, my race is going to die or have to leave Middle-earth if you don't give me a bunch of mithril. And... Durin was like, okay, well, uh, my father's not going to like this, but we're, we're going we're gonna to see what we can do <laughs> kind of things. So, like, he, he believed him, like, just off of that. So I guess maybe, though, he wasn't sure. I, I don't know. But now they are sure that this will actually save the elves because clearly it saved the leaf. Leaf, so, leaf is equal to elf. I mean, elves like, like leaves a lot. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they call Elrond back. And I asked myself if the plan was just that Durin's going to mine all the large quantities of mithril by himself. Like, what what's going on here? Um, in the Southlands, the Southlanders and Numenorians are continuing to trudge through the wasteland that has been created out of the Southlands because of the volcanic eruption. Muriel and Valandil bump into Elendil. A lot of eels here. And the other survivors breaking the news of Isildur's fake death 
And it turns out Muriel's plot armor must have needed reapplying too after surviving the pyroclastic flow because she's blind now. Wow. Yes. Just from the from the volcano or she's just blind now not from the volcano um when she got thrown back trying to get the children out of the um out of the burning building that was going to collapse that like pretend killed a sealed door um she got like knocked back into something and i guess that did something to her eyes because i'm pretty sure she was able to see before that so i guess that that is what i'm assuming did it if I, I got knocked back into a wall, I don't think my first concern would be my eyes. But Well, she doesn't notice it at first. Okay. Because what happens basically is they're like riding through trying to get out of the smoke cloud. And they get out of it. And she makes a comment that's kind of like, when are we going to get out of the smoke cloud? Oh. Mm. Not a good sign. Yeah. And then Elendil's like, uh, Queenie, we were, we've been out of it for like a mile. Well, technically, she she does get it by his silence. She's like, "How long have we been out of it?" And she's like, and he's like, "About uh, like a mile, <laughs> actually." I would like to say, like, you know, I wish there was a camera on my face because, like, when you said, like, "Oh, you know, the plot armor and whatnot," and you said that now she's blind because the pyroclastic, well, I rolled my eyes so hard, I feel <laughs> like I'm blind. Like, <laughs> okay. I mean, I I did appreciate that they were going to do something. I don't think that that's not lore. That's, like, I don't think Muriel has, like, gotten blind in the morning. She's not, like, a commander, I don't think, in the lore. Ah, okay. So, um, I don't think she would be in a position to be blinded. But, like, I think that that's an interesting thing to do to a fairly major character. Like, especially since it wasn't in the lore. It's like, okay, so this is something new, but it's, like, a new challenge for the character. Like, I'm more forgiving for things that would, like, make things harder, Yeah. I guess, than I would be for things that... Changes that make things easier. Like, the mithril suddenly being the magic key to save the elves? No. <laughs> maybe maybe it was all the, like, the spicy Cheeto dust that she had all over her. Maybe. It got it in her like, eyes. She just, like, she had some on her hands. She wiped her yeah. eyes, and I now mean, it's just in her eyes. At first, like, I thought maybe, like, I mean, I, I don't know that much about blindness <laughs> as much as I know about pyroclastic flows. I know more <laughs> about that. But, like, I was thinking, like, okay, well, I mean, she might be blind, but, like, do we know? Maybe there's just, like, a bunch of stuff in her eye kind of like yeah. dirt or debris like in her eye and like maybe you can like flush that out and she'd be, I, I don't know if, i hope they would have tried that we didn't see them try that but no she is in fact blind that is going to be the case yeah i was gonna say i have been temporarily <laughs> blinded before and in my experience it, it wasn't like full black mm-hmm. like you could still make things out sort of it was just a little different Mm -hmm. if that makes sense yeah and i think that's kind of what she's describing because she's like she's seeing something clearly she's like what is like when are we going to get out of the smoke so she sees something that looks like smoke right yeah yes so yeah she is blind now um back to theo and galadriel they're kind of like somewhere else or roughly this around the same area um, they continue to walk through the dead forest to try to get to Numenor's camp, which I I didn't really know they had a camp. I don't really know how far away the camp was to avoid being destroyed because, as we mentioned earlier, debris from the explosion traveled over the mountains of North Mordor, across the Brownlands, and up next to Greenwood. Um, anyway, Galadriel gives Theo her sword, promising to help make him a soldier. The Harfoots, of course, take the most reasonable course of action after getting spooked by the stranger. 
And that is to censure Nori and her sibling for their stupid... Well, who am I kidding? No, they don't do that. <laughs> Instead, they decaravan Gandalf, who was only doing what he was literally asked to do. Meteor Man did nothing wrong, and I will die <laughs> on this hill. But still, Sadok and the other Harfoots are nicer to him than the other people that they've left behind because Sadok shows him the way to the big folk settlements and gives him the star chart of the constellation that he's looking for. So at least they don't leave him completely behind like they wanted to do the, the Brandyfoots when they were like, take their wheels and leave them. Because, yeah, they did. The, they were going to do that for a time before the stranger saved them. And then, oh, he can be useful now. I feel like these Harfoots are playing favorites here. They're just like, you know what? Like, we really don't like you because you totally were, like, mean to me for some reason the one morning or whatever or something, like, insert reason here. So we're going to purposely leave you behind. Mr. Magic Man, you know, Meteor Man. You know what? But, like, we're going to get rid of you I mean, just because we kind of don't like you. Maybe they thought he was going to, like, just explode them or turn them into frogs or something. I don't uh. know. Ah, yes, Meteor Man, who was using ice to heal a wound. Yes. And then, like, Matt was also going to... He was trying to heal a tree. Yes. He got the short end of that stick. Ah. (laughs) Yeah, but Gandalf heads off on an adventure to find his stars, but not before Nori can give him a single apple, because she apparently doesn't completely hate him. Thank you for that. He realizes that he's got better places to be, so he leaves all of them behind, which is how I'm going to think of it. They don't leave him behind. He leaves all of them behind. It's like the equivalent of, like, you can't fire me because I quit. It's like yes, kind of like that exactly. kind of energy, it feels like. So we're back to Theo and Gladriel. Um, he asks her if she's lost someone close to her. And she replies that she lost her brother, which surprised no one because that's been her thing the entire time. But then she follows up by saying something that every person who's watched the movies or knows at least a little bit about the lore, immediately had an what moment because she follows that up saying, and my husband, Celeborn, which survived everyone. It surprised everybody because, hello, Celeborn is literally in the Fellowship of the Ring. He's visually shown next to Galadriel in Lorien when the Fellowship (laughs) goes there. He literally asks about Gandalf. He's like, hey, where's Gandalf? I can't see him, like, from afar anymore. Like, what happened? There were nine of you. Why are there only eight people here? It's like, he literally has that whole thing. He has lines. Guys. So what you're saying is that ca- that canonically came before this? No. Because how and that's would the he thing. be alive? That, and that's the thing. That's why this is so kind of confusing. Because, I mean, I know they're playing with timelines and doing time jumps and time skips and stuff like that. But this is the second age that we are in right now in Rings of Power. Fellowship of the Ring is in the third age after the War of the Last Alliance where Sauron was quote-unquote defeated. Isildur gets the Ring of Power. The Ring of Power hasn't even been made yet. This is all a fake out. <laughs> this is so- the fourth age. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get into what I think it could potentially be happening with this okay? because like I said, this makes no sense. There are even memes about how he's asking about Gandalf because you know, there's, there's a, I don't know how fake it is, but there's like a Galadriel Gandalf ship because she like, she'll like cup his cheek or be like overly friendly kind of thing. I don't think she actually 
I don't think there's actually anything there. I think that's just like the affection of the elf. She does it to Elrond too in this series. I think that's just, you know, how they do. Probably. But they're just a friendly people. Yeah. I think that's that's just kind of like her thing. So I don't think that there is like anything actually between her and Gandalf. I think they are just really good friends. But there are a bunch of memes about it and I do find them kind of <laughs> funny because there's like they'll have like her holding Gandalf's cheek or something and then it'll cut to like that scene in Fellowship of the Ring where Celeborn's like, where is Gandalf? I must <laughs> desire to speak to him. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, busted. Yeah, so there, there's some fun happening with that. But yeah, literally, he's, he's in it, guys. He's in it. So there has to be something going on here. I do not think that they would make a change that big and that obvious when their audience, because like, I'm not saying everybody who's watching Rings of Power has seen the movies or at least knows, remembers them enough. Right. But the chance is a pretty big portion of it would. I feel like 90% of people. Like a very solid portion. That watched. Like vast, yeah. vast majority of the people watching The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, have seen The Lord of the Rings trilogy. Unless you're like, I mean, like, unless you're like someone who like, and I'm like not making a direct comparison, but like mm-hmm. some people who I know who are Star Wars fans didn't watch episodes four, five, and six first, even though they were released first. They watched mm-hmm. them canonically, so they did yeah. like the prequels first and whatnot. So I would, I could kind of understand, like if you're a, like a, a somewhat Lord of the Rings fan, like getting into it for the first time, and you're like, oh, this takes place before all the movies and everything. I'm gonna watch this first. But then that just makes things way more complicated mm-hmm. when you actually go, like you said, yeah. to watch. And like I said, that I'm uh, not saying that nobody has seen or like there there are no viewers out there no, that yeah. are watching right. this and that think, have not seen it that is very much possible but i do not think that that is anywhere it, near common enough to make up oh no yeah I, yeah I enough people for if, this to not be confusing if what sava is saying were true then the show would have to be out for a while because people know to watch star wars in the canonical order because i mean their parents tell them like it, it star wars has been around for long enough that Everybody knows that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So this show, I feel like it's too. It new literally for that just to be came out in September. And that's the Fair, other thing is yeah. the show's not even done yet, so you're gonna wait a really long time before yeah, you get to watch the show. They're, they're, I mean, season two yeah. is confirmed. True. They're planning Reason on point. making five seasons. Okay. As of right now, as long as everything goes okay, they're planning on making five. Yeah, I guess yeah. Five seasons. Yes. It still shocks me. Yes. But it is important to note, like how I said I was going to try and um, maybe kind of explain what they might be doing here. Okay. Because it's important to note a couple things are possible. First, Theo asked if she's lost people. The wording of lost people. Not necessarily if the people she loved died. Mm. So it's presumed that that's what they're talking about because she mentions Finrod, who we know died technicalities yes Celeborn could just be missing along the same vein maybe he's missing and presumed dead kind of like Isildur is stupidly enough (laughs) only to appear later in the season because he's he's not in this one finally in the lore it is possible for elves to come back to life technically speaking when elves die their souls go to Valinor and they can be reincarnated into new identical bodies. That's what I was going to ask yeah. about. Glorfindel of Gondolin is an example of this. He died in Gondolin fighting a Balrog in the year 510 of the First Age, 
only to be sent back to Middle-earth as an emissary of the Valor in 1600 of the Second Age. Not only that, but he was given powers nearing the level of the Mire as well. So it was a massive upgrade. Mm. So maybe they're trying to do something similar with Celeborn, have that kind of thing, like give Celeborn Glorfindel's story kind of thing. That, um, that feels like a big cop-out to yeah, me. Yeah, it does, especially since they should really have the rights for Glorfindel. I don't know if they can do everything, but he's actually in the Lord of the Rings. He's in the Lord of the Rings book, not the movies. Mm. But instead of Arwen rescuing Frodo from the ring race and taking him to Rivendell, in the book, it's Glorfindel. Interesting. Yeah, so that is a big change from the books and the movies, obviously. But he's in the book, Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. So they should have the rights to do stuff with him. So he's, it's possible that they're just doing something similar and not like, you know, combining the two. But there, there are a couple things that can happen. So I'm not losing my head too much about it. I just think there's like, they've got to do something like this because it would just be too weird. He's, it would be too big a change that literally probably 90% or higher of your audience is going to notice. It's just it seems like too big drastic of a change to like actually yes. go through with like, it. Like I mean, I know that you can say like, oh well this isn't supposed to be a direct prequel to Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit or anything like that. But it's in Middle Earth. It's in the second age. You're using the same character names, you're using the same places. Even if you're not trying to make it its own thing. Or it's like even if you are trying to make it its own thing, it's going to be connected to that in the heads of your audience. That's why you're making it a Lord of the Rings show instead of just making your own show because it has that fan base in it. True. So, but that fan base is going to know that Celeborn's still alive. So if you're going to do something that big, it's just going to be weird and I, I don't understand what you could possibly gain by doing that. Maybe. There are lesser known canonical things that you can change that maybe you'll get away with more from the less hardcore fans. Yeah. But this is a huge huge difference unless they do something with this but anyway theo tells galadriel to stop blaming herself about what happened in the southlands because i mean she's trying to take on the forces of darkness and it's not like she could have really done much i mean they already won the battle what more was she supposed to do i guess the only thing that could be lacking is that nobody checked the stupid bundle <laughs> that they were given, but really that's kind of just Arondir's fault because Arondir's the one who knew what the stupid bundle was. Galadriel just showed up mid battle and Arondir was like, Hey, he can't leave with that. <laughs> she chases him down and he doesn't leave with that. Mission accomplished. Like she doesn't know to check it to make sure what uh... it is. But he was the one who didn't check it. He didn't check it. He didn't know that it was not the dagger until he gave it to Theo. And then Theo figured it out. So I was like Maybe you should have checked it, my guy. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, I don't know why she's blaming herself, but she is. Theo wants to blame himself instead because it is more his fault because he did give Adar and the orcs the dagger thing. But he did it because they were literally half a second away from killing his mom. So, Unders like, understand. Yeah. Literally, that... I, I can see why he did that. I don't think any rational person would be like, this is all your fault. You should have just watched your mom die, you little loser. <laughs> no, nobody's going to. Even though, Whoa. like, even though all of this stuff happened, 
like because they got the dagger like i don't think anyone's gonna be heartless enough to be like that essentially no, so. i don't think so yeah but he wants to blame himself she tells him not to do so even though she wants to blame herself because once burdens are taken up they're difficult to put back down which is true that's been her whole thing she's like taken up this whole quest for vengeance and now she's become obsessed with it and she can't stop doing it so at least she's self-aware enough to be like hey don't do the same stuff that I did. Apparently, it turns out in Casa Doom that Durin's plan is to mine the vast quantities of mithril that Elrond needs by himself. I was right. That is the plan. Genius plan. Yes. No way <clears throat> that these people are ever going to get caught. King Durin is never going to notice that people are totally digging. Not. You know, causing cave-ins and earthquakes and stuff. Like There's no way that this super well-thought-out incognito mission is possibly going to fail how much you want to bet his thought process was all right guys here's the plan we're i'm gonna do it while he's asleep he's not gonna feel any of the tremors <laughs> he's not gonna hear anything at all and if he goes down there and looks he's my not gonna notice that very, any of it's gonna be missing my dad's he's old a very and heavy sleeper he could sleep through an earthquake <laughs> in a balrog attack which i i definitely there's not a balrog there totally in, isn't what do you mean in here no definitely not <laughs> Um, for now, though, it seems to be going pretty well. Nobody's caught them yet. It's exhausting work, but otherwise they're making progress. They find a large vein of mithril. And then they bond over the endurance contest back in episode two that they did. And uh, it's kind of funny, and I, I really love their friendship in this like storyline. Mithril set aside. Magic mithril not included. Yeah. But the rest of it I do really like. And it's funny because Elrond tries to, like, brush off him forfeiting as, like, I'm not, you know, I wasn't actually trying to win. I just wanted <laughs> to get in and I wanted to talk to you. And I knew that once I forfeited, I could get you to take me to the exit and then I'd be able to talk to you. So, like, he was basically trying to pull that thing. And Durin obviously doesn't buy this. And then Elrond's like, yeah, I was actually kind of getting a little winded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, like, that, I thought that was pretty funny and cute. And... Durin is about to give Elrond his secret dwarf name, which is something that only the closest of kin, spouses, you know, people like that are permitted to know. It's a very, very big deal for dwarves. And Elrond stops him. This is number two. He does this twice. That's like, horrible. Bro, do you want him to think you hate him? You're about to tell me. Oh, it's like, hey, hey, Durin, I know you're about to tell me your secret name which is a huge deal to you and a huge sign of trust and affection. And I'm going to be like, nah, it's fine. I don't need to know it right now. I agree with Gimli. So much for the courtesy of the elves. You know how intimate this gesture is. Yes, I know before Durin and Elrond said they were like brothers, but this said it is clearly as Vision picking up Mjolnir in the Age of Ultron so that he was trustworthy. It is like an immediate thing that if you are familiar enough with the dwarves, which you don't even really have to be familiar because... Durin flat out tells you, tells the audience how big a deal this is. Like, this isn't something that you just have to know. It's like, he tells you, and then he's like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Well, Especially well, since it's such a big deal, because not only is Elrond not actually related to him, he's not his kin, he's not a spouse, he's not even a dwarf. Mm -hmm. So he, like, he's a different race entirely, so this is a dwarven secret special name that is like a huge part of their culture and it's like super intimate for Durin. 
And like that just speaks volumes of the trust he has, the intimacy that their relationship has. Dude. <laughs> it's like about to have a bro moment. I'm going to tell you my name just to show how much I care for you. Like you. All right, that's cool, man. Uh, I don't uh, want to hear it right now. Can we, like, can we get back to mining the mithril? <laughs> wow. Man's putting magical mithril oh. that apparently can, can save elves and make leaves go back to living like Elrond, over you're fine. You the already bromance. have a little ingot that um, Durin gave back to you after you, you know, insulted him and your friendship for the first time. Sounds like you, the, you already have that. You're fine. Sounds like at the top of his priority list, it's like, all right, mithril number one. The bromance, nah, uh, it's like way I down there. I love the bromance. That's like one of the best things about the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. Are like the bromances. <laughs> I, mm, I love it. What would your guys' dwarven names be? Oh, no. I don't know. <laughs> I, I want to say Freya. There aren't really a lot of dwarven really names like in canon. There's Dis, which is Thorin, Oakenshield's sister, feeling Keeley's mother. And there is now Disa, and that's like it, which is kind of funny because like right when I heard that her name was going to be Disa, I'm like, this reminds me of those fan fictions where they're like gender-bending Bilbo. And they just, you know, drop the O and add an A, and it's Bilba now. Because, you know, O is masculine, and A is feminine. Can't so have any O's. So, so it's just like, you just like, what I'm trying to get out with that comparison is just like, okay, so I have this name of this character that I know that is like in the lore, and I want to make a different character or a different version of this character, but in this case, it'd be a different character. And I'm just going to slightly change this name from the lore a little bit to make it a different one. To suit what I want to do. So, like, in this case, like, you have Dis. And then it's like, okay, we need another dwarf name. Uh, uh, how about Disa? Brilliant. Meaning add an A at the end of Dis's name and take away the, I mean, the little accent mark. Totally creative. But, like, hold on, you said, like, <laughs> the A's or, like, O's are masculine, so they make them an A, which is feminine. I mean, it's like. In a sense. O and so A is, like. I was saying that for, like, kind of, like, in Spanish. Oh, okay. Like, you know okay. how in Spanish, like, there are, like, masculine words typically end in yeah, like yeah, an yeah. O. Oh, okay, Or if it's okay. an O, it's typically masculine. If it ends okay. in an A, it's typically feminine. So, like, that that was where I was going on. Um, that's not, like, a lore uh, thing. Okay. That's, I, th I thought it was for a second. Yeah, I was no. be like that. Like, my name has two A's, and I was like, Sovo. Jeez, my name really would be feminine then in the Lord of the Rings universe. Yeah, like, no. Wow. No, I mean it probably could be, but I don't, I don't think it's that feminine. I mean it's not, but I mean I, yeah. I would like to think it's not, but I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean who am I to say? Embrace you it, make Sava. it masculine. Nah, <laughs> I'm good. My my voice would not with allow your, it. With your with your beard. The beard and the hair, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The looks and the name, like, nah, it's mm -hmm. it's not gonna work. I don't know. Your hair is longer than the elves in the series. Mm -hmm. I mean, my air, my <laughs> hair as of right now is tied back in like a short like short-ish ponytail i didn't exactly like it's it's kind of just like sloppy than done. Some of the it is yes it is good Which line is just good line <laughs> ridiculous i would expect an, an elf's hair to be actually longer than sava's i would expect it to be longer than mine to be honest like yeah reaching I mean, like the legs essentially i feel that yeah <laughs> yeah for sure probably but yes so we have Elrond being mean and, you know, sliding Durin again. I don't know if he's doing this on purpose, but it's still kind of irksome to me. Um, but 
I'm not the only one who finds this irksome, the situation irksome, because King Durin is as well when he inevitably catches them. Because seriously, what was the plan? There was no plan. There honestly. was no plan. Elrond is kicked out, but at least he got the mithril ingot that Durin gave him again. And the two Durins get into it again, accusing each other of betraying their people, either by prioritizing the elves or by clinging to the past. King Durin gets big mad at this and snatches a necklace crest thingy, jewelry thingy, armor thingy off of Durin and tells him that it's not his anymore. I, I guess maybe he disowned him. I'm not entirely sure, but it kind of looks like it. Later, we find out that Durin apparently does have some brothers, so it's not as stupid as I immediately thought, because at first, like, I was like, yeah, right, you're, who's going to get the kingdom after you die, Gramps? Because the brothers are so non-existent that I, I didn't know that they exist. I'm like, it's like you're going to, like, disown your only heir. You're super old. I don't think you even have a queen. Like, how is that going to work out for you? <laughs> they must have just thrown those brothers in last minute to make it all work. It's like they're not even like on screen. Disa just mentions them like in passing. Just like side, like, you know, <laughs> like you, I'm kicking you out of it. Also, cast. like, you know, this brother, this brother, this brother. Yeah, they're going to get the kingdom. Whatever. It's like, it's really? Like, <laughs> I was like, that's just not going to work. Um, back to the grove. Poppy's singing about some snails because the grove has been newly healed. Thank you again, Mr. Magic, for helping these ungrateful Harfoots. How dare they? But later that night, Nori and Poppy see the three strange people, apparently called the Dweller, the Ascetic, and the Nomad, which are names that I got from the Collider article because they are not called this in the show. Nobody knows who they are, really. Um, we do learn eventually that they are from Rune, which is the lands, like, super far to the east, like, past the Lonely Mountain, past the Iron Hills, past Mordor, kind of, but, like, more in the north area than Mordor. And um, the Dweller, which is the Eminem lookalike. I had some nice I had some nice pictures, comparisons, but just imagine blonde Eminem. Oh, God. And oh. Like very similar. Yeah. So he plucks a flower from the tree that the stranger healed, and they start setting off in the direction that the stranger left in. Because they, they can track his magic aura, I guess. I was about to say, like, what? Did he pick a flower? And it's like, ah, oh, magic detecting of, like, yes, this is now I mean, the flower grew in the tree where the stranger touched the tree. So it was, like, from his magic and stuff like that. Um, Nori thinks that she can trick these clearly powerful beings into go the other, going the other way by popping up and yelling an obvious lie at them. Points for effort, Nori, but maybe learn to lie better or stay put. <laughs> nice. Obviously, these things are not buying it, and they teleport behind Nori and Poppy, who is probably questioning their friendship right about now. Some of the other Harfoots run up with torches to try to scare them off, but har Hobbits are about as intimidating as ladybugs, so it doesn't really have much of an effect. Harfoots, their ancestors, not much better. Um, thankfully for the Harfoots, however, the three creepies have better things to do than take revenge on little Harfoots. So they simply burn all of their wagons as a strongly worded message, though without the use of actual words. Then they piece off to follow the stranger. The Harfoots are sad because their entire way of life is up in smoke, but I was proud of them for their bravery because, you know, these are the people that leave people behind. But now they actually, like, went up to try to defend two of their own against three 
clearly creepy, evil, powerful wizard witches things. They're, so th- this logic just makes no sense. Like, I I will give them points for bravery. I hadn't seen that in them before, other than Nori, Nori's dad, and Poppy. So good for them. Like they they. It maybe not was it wasn't the smartest thing maybe, but it had some kind of thing where I'm like, okay, these are this is a group of people, this is a community, and two of their own were in danger, and they went to back them up, which again is not something I'm seeing from the people that just leave their own behind all the time. This was a big step forward this for them. Was I was like, oh, this is nice. Thank you guys. <laughs> Especially since, especially since one of them was the leader guy who was the one who was like, you guys are going to be riding in the back. Ooh. Like the backity back. He wasn't the one that wanted to take their wheels and leave them. But he, wasn't, he was the guy that that was pitched to that didn't really say no either. So, but that, that was still some serious, serious step forward for him. Good. Good guy. Back in the Numenorean camp, Elendil releases Beric, who is a Sealdor's horse, in what I'm sure will not be a setup for the Two Towers Aragorn parallel where the horse is released, only to return with previous thought dead important person. Totally not. Definitely not. Elendil, though, is really bitter about this, as well as having lost his son. Lost his son being in quotations, as it appears (coughs) in my script, because... His son is clearly not dead again for the umpteenth time. <laughs> and um, Elendil curses himself for helping Galadriel by not leaving her to die at sea, I guess. I feel like most decent people would have made the same choice, though. Like, hindsight is twenty twenty, dude. You never would have thought that you should abandon the person that you find floating on a raft... On the chance that she convinces your isolationist queen to sail to Middle-earth and end up getting your kid blown up by a volcano. Nobody thinks like that, so he's being a bit hard on himself. Which, I know, he's grieving, but still. You're all like, I should never have got it. It's like, I mean, it's not even like, I should never have gone to Middle-earth with her. It's like, I should never have plucked her out of the sea. <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of a long chain of events to foresee. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, maybe don't... It's like, maybe you're like, okay, I shouldn't have supported the war to come here. I could see that. I feel like but... it, like you can only predict so far, maybe into the future, unless, like, every, I feel like every time he was just sitting there, like, had him like, a magical mm-hmm. eight ball, it was just like, mm-hmm. should I do this or not? And just, like, shook it. It was just like, mm-hmm. he's following whatever the magic eight or ball is maybe, telling him. Since, like, this is to set up, like, him being angry at Galadriel a little bit, but that doesn't really last very long. So I feel like we could just, like, not have that happen. And he could actually blame himself. Because it's kind of, like, assumed that he lets Isildur come. Like, at first, he wasn't going to let him come. Because it's like, oh, well, you didn't want to be on the Sea Guard. You completely messed up your chances of being on the Sea Guard because you didn't want to do it. And now you suddenly want to come with us? No. You you don't have the qualifications for it. I'm not bringing you just so you can, you know, decide to not contribute anymore when you find something else that you want to do. Like, I'm not going to do that. And then he eventually does, like, kind of semi-earn his way on there. He lets him come as, like, a stable boy kind of thing. But he does, he 
assumingly is the one who lets Isildur come to Middle-earth with them in the first place after originally having him not do it. Okay. So I think if he wanted to have some kind of, like, regret like that, it would have been far more interesting if it was, like, if he was, like, blaming himself, kind of like every other character is doing in this episode, but actually from, like, an, a reasonable thing about, it's like, I knew my son wasn't cut out for this. I knew, it's like, I, I almost left him. I was going to leave him, but then I didn't, and now I've lost him. I feel like that would have, that would have been better than just... Oh, this this elf lady that I saved from dying that I never would have left to die in the ocean. I saved her, and now my kid is dead because of it. <laughs> it would have been more interesting for certain, but it's just like... Uh... Yes. Um, but anyway, Theo and Galadriel arrive into the Numenorean camp. The former is running through the medical tent in search of his mom. Obviously, the kid hasn't seen his mom, and there's a giant explosion. Very, very reasonable thing to do. And he sees a bloody shroud that kind of looks like it could be Bronwyn. Is it Bronwyn? Has her luck finally caught up to her? Has the selectively deadly pyroclastic flow claimed another victim? And where's Arondir? Is he? Oh, no, wait. Bronwyn's behind Theo. Arondir's trailing not far behind her. They're unkillable. <laughs> That plot armor is really (laughs) saving them. They reapplied. That is the secret. They reapplied. Every hour. Every hour. Every half hour, even. Because Bronwyn is really good. She can, like, stab orcs in the foot and then be fine. She can just, like, survive arrows to the chest, which had to be cauterized, to be fair. So it's it's not like she just, like, pulled it out. It's like, another. (laughs) Like, no. She, She, like, she did have to. She was down and out a little bit after that but even so this is crazy yes she is like super powered (laughs) she's not super powered i'm I'm being a little too dramatic but anyway the three hug and it's kind of sweet to see them act like a family especially with all the growth that theo's had from grumpy jerk to a good person theo was a bit grumpy and kind of evil seeming at the beginning you know as evil as a teenage kid could really seem but he was he was really really grumpy and very easily corrupted kind of but so it's kind of nice to see him like accepting a rondier as a potential stepdad a little bit more you know bonding having like a nicer personality for lack of better term it it was kind of sweet plot armor aside (laughs) (laughs) um but you know it's i I don't really care about plot armor as long as it's not ridiculous. I only am making such a big deal about it with the pyroclastic flow because to me that was ridiculous. Like that is just like certain death. Like you are not surviving that. But other than that, it's fine. Elendil presses Muriel who now has a red cloth around her eyes for a speedy exit because like I said, he is not feeling too great. He thinks his kid's dead. His kid's not dead, but he thinks he is. <laughs> and he has now decided that Middle Earth is terrible. Um, he cries in the scene, and I kind of wanted to give him a hug because the poor man thinks he's lost his son. He hasn't, but he hasn't watched Fellowship of the Ring or read the books, so it's understandable. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Like I said, from a character's perspective, I get it. Yeah. From the writing perspective, I'm like, we know he's not dead. Can we just, like, stop dragging this out like it's going to be 
a source of tension, like, oh, has it sealed or died? Oh, no. Oh, no. No. <laughs> no. I'm going to tell you it's no right now. So um, I just I just wish they wouldn't draw it out as much. Galadriel apologizes because, again, she somehow thinks that this is her fault, ignoring the fact that if they hadn't come, all the Southlanders would be dead and Mount Doom would still have erupted because Adar and Waldrig, who was the guy who found the key and started the chain reaction to explode everything. They had the key. They would still have the key without the Numenorians being there. They would still know where to put the key. That said, she is the reason that the Numenorians were there. But who could have predicted a dormant volcano would explode like that after they won the battle? I certainly hadn't worked it out beforehand, and I had more information than she did. If if only that she was, I mean, whatever the technical term would be for studying volcanoes. I don't think it's geology, but like, oh no, volcanologist. Only, volcanologist is that really? I think so. Yeah. I mean, if that actually is a the thing, then I mean, that must be some sort of job. But like, oh no, I couldn't totally predict a natural disaster. That could. It wasn't even the, a natural well, disaster. Well, I say natural like, natural disaster yeah. quotations, but like, I couldn't predict that a volcano would spontaneously erupt. Oh no! I wish I could predict that. Like, mm-hmm. no, you can't. And especially and like in this said, kind of a setting. She thought that she had stopped Adar. She got there. Arondir was like, "Don't let him get away with that thing that he's holding." Doesn't tell her what it is. She doesn't know to check it. Exactly. She catches Adar. It's not Adar that causes this eruption. She catches him. She and Halbrand chase him down and catch him. So, mission accomplished. They won the battle. They've got the leader of the enemy forces captured. Mm -hmm. They're interrogating him. They're doing all the stuff that they're supposed to be doing. They won. No one is going to be like, hmm, there's a long dormant mountain over there. I wonder if that pathetic little weasel man who ditched the Southlanders back when I before I got here. I wonder if that guy, who I've never heard of before, who I don't know anything about, grabbed the actual package that I was not supposed to let Adar get away with that I thought I stopped. Mm. What if he grabbed that, turned, put it in like a stone, kind of like a key in a keyhole, twisted it, and then that caused this whole chain reaction of a volcano to explode. What if that happens like in 20 seconds? I should have totally predicted that. Oh, yes, 100%. absolutely. How did you not, Galadriel? My goodness, you are the stupidest character ever for not <laughs> predicting this so very obvious chain of events. But, yeah, she thinks it's her fault, um, but it's not. Muriel's having none of these apologies. She tells her to save her pity for their enemies because they done goofed up big time. Muriel is angry, and you won't like her when she's angry. She agrees to go back to Numenor, but promises that she'll return, hopefully with more than three ships this time. Galadriel says that the elves will be waiting for them. So, collaboration, part two. The Harfoots linger sadly in their torched camp until Nori's father, Largo, gets fed up with all the downtroddenness, the sweet guy. He's so kind. Totally. He's kind enough to overlook the fact that these Harfoots almost left him and his family behind because he twisted his ankle. <laughs> he says, with a straight face, that they, the Harfoots, are unique to all other creatures in Middle-earth because, I quote, we stay true to each other. No matter how the wind whines or how steep it gets, we face it with our hearts even bigger than our feet. And we just keep walking. 
Yes, Largo. And when your family is in the back of the line, struggling to keep up due to your foot injury, they sure kept walking. <laughs> Didn't send anyone back to help you. They, they kept going. They kept walking. But this gives Nori a boost of confidence, and she declares that she's headed off to warn the stranger of the three creepies that are coming after him. I don't know how, because they've gotten a pretty good head start, and they have magic. They literally just combusted their entire camp with, like, their minds, essentially. <laughs> like, what are you going to do? <laughs> it's like three magical mystical beings just, like, in the in, with a snap of their fingers, l- l- like, torched our entire camp. I'm going to go and warn I'm gonna Mr. chase after them, and get overlap it, them somehow. And warn Mr. Magic Man. Yes, who I don't know exactly where he is, but he went somewhere that way. Insert magical shortcut that she is probably going to find. And <laughs> no, just like she, somehow she doesn't. It's not that bad. Okay. It's not that bad. All right. Uh, but yeah, she's going off trail. And finally, the other Harfoots are stepping up to the plate. Again, this is like two times in one episode that these Harfoots are actually, you know, redeeming themselves a little bit. Um, she won't be walking alone because Poppy and her mother Marigold volunteer to go with her. And by that, I mean demand to go with her. Also, Malva suddenly has a change of heart and realizes that maybe, just maybe, she was potentially a bit wrong about wanting to take the Brandyfoot's wheels and leave them. This is the, the girl that says this, that yeah. wants to leave them behind. She does not like them. She's just not in their camp at all. And she decides maybe she might have been a bit too hasty with that judgment. Just she, a little bit. She could have been a little bit misguided with that line of thinking. Mm-hmm. Um. She suggests then that Sadok, the trail finder, goes with them so they don't get lost. Sadok agrees, saying that it would be nice if she wasn't right all the time, which only makes sense if it's sarcastic because she was literally just outed as being very, very wrong. But no one treats it as sarcastic, so I don't know if he, like, means it that way. Like, to quote Rocket from Guardians of the Galaxy, you have to use a sarcastic voice. And I do not feel like he used a sarcastic voice. Or at least nobody reacted to it like he was. Like, I don't know what his sarcastic voice sounds like, but it sounded like maybe it could be. But she doesn't, like, get huffy or roll her eyes or do anything that you would probably think to do if somebody was being sarcastic. It's like, oh, like, if only you weren't so right all the time. Meaning you're you're wrong. You're, like, wrong all the time. But this time, maybe. But, like, I I don't know. It's weird. It's small. But I wanted to point it out anyway. The Southlanders prepare to go to an old Numenorean colony for a fresh start, which is Gondor, maybe? Potentially? (laughs) Halbrand finally shows up after having gotten himself injured and found on the side of the road somewhere. The gash in his side is bleeding and infected, so of course the only reasonable thing to do is to have Halbrand get up and ride on his own horse to Linden for elvish healing. Apparently, um, Galadriel and... Arondir fell asleep in their healing classes because you have two elves here and none of them apparently can treat him here. They have to go like 500 miles or however far away <laughs> it is <laughs> with an infected wound in his side, like in his abdomen and he's riding his own horse. You think nice. that might be a little problematic? I think like I would think, you know, slightly problematic. I mean, you have you when you're sitting up straight, you are engaging your abdomen muscles. When you are, like, sitting on a horse, balancing, you're engaging. No, yeah. Like, this man is easily... And it's infected. They, like, Bronwyn just says something along the lines of, like, his wound is souring a bit. Like, like, this wound is not looking too good for him. 
But yes, um, that is clearly the very logical thing to do. He, it is infected, but he can stand, he can walk to his horse, mount his horse, and ride for who knows how long with probably very little rest. At least Frodo was not riding a horse by himself to Rivendell. Arwen was riding for Rivendell with the Baggins as her baggage. As he leaves, he being um, Halbrand, the Southlanders chant strength to the king and strength to the Southlands um, because they have accepted him as their king before the volcano exploded. You know, like he's like introduced like, hey, this is the king of the Southlands. He has like this little pouch thing with the sigil of the royal line. So everyone's like, you're the king. Yay. Long live the king. Like, you know, something like that. I don't really know how big his kingdom is, though, because it's like I've just really seen this one village in the village that was destroyed that was not too I far was away say, from Probably it. not that big after, you know, Mount Doom. You yeah, know, like, it's definitely not everything. very big now. That's for probably sure. Not. Yes. So but they are they are chanting. They are trying to give him their well wishes. Uh, Theo tries to give Galadriel back her sword, but she says that he can have it and they leave again to get Elvish healing many, many miles away. In Casa Doom, Durin and Disa are commiserating over the failure of Durin's genius plan to covertly mine all of the mithril that the elves need. Durin thinks he's failed Elrond, and Disa shifts the blame to his father. Obviously, she doesn't like him. She comforts him and clearly has some high hopes and expectations for the future because she tells him that one day he will rule Casa Doom, and she will too, you know, together. And they will mine all the mithril that they want and rule not just the mountain, that mountain, Khazad-dum, but all of them. <laughs> Chill, girl. Start small. All of them? I wonder if Deese is going to, like, lead a dwarf uprising or something. That would be interesting to see her as kind of like a Lady Macbeth kind of character. Though I did like her bubbly personality more, so I would like to see more of that, too. But, you know, she can be complex. She can be a very bubbly Lady Macbeth, and I would be there for it. Deep in the mines, King Durin tosses the yellow leaf through the hole Durin opened in the mithril mine, saying to seal it up. The leaf falls further and further before landing on the bottom. A rumble is heard, and flames engulf the leaf. In a moment of epicness that I'm sure nobody ever saw coming. What was it? A giant teenage mutant ninja turtle. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> no, it's it's obviously the Balrog. Obviously, um, it seems kind of more you of a let tease. Me down, I wanted yeah. that giant teenage mutant Who could have seen sorry. this Balrog coming? Oh man! It seems like it's more of a tease than an indication of the Balrog kicking the dwarves out of Kazadoom anytime soon, though. <laughs> um, because like. This is, it's kind of like what happened where I was just like, oh, like Numenor immediately is getting like wiped out by this giant wave in episode three. This, this is faster than I thought it was. And it turned out not to be the case. Yeah. I feel like it's another one of those, obviously, because like this is the first season out of planned five. Way too soon, in my opinion, to ha- kick the dwarves out of Kaza Doom. Um, I hope I'm wrong, though, because I think it's a bit cheap to tease this Balrog as being down there because... We know it's down there. Like, I mean, it was cool. It was certainly cool to see. It was a cool scene, but, but yeah. I'm like, so the Balrog, like, awakes, burns the leaf, and then goes back to sleep. So I don't like that this leaf came back yeah, to I'm life like, with the mithril. I'm going to What is this? It. What is this in my 
in my bedroom. No, ew, go away. Get this trash okay. out of here. Roll over, go back to sleep. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm going to wait till some, like, you know, guy Something with, like, Something really that... annoying happens before I, you know, rage at everything and, you know, mess things up. No. So, I mean, I hope it's wrong because, like, I think that would be... That clearly should be leading up to something with the Balrog, but I don't think it is. It's a bit too early, like I said. In the Southlands, which Adar now refuses to call the Southlands because that name no longer exists, Waldrig hits continuing lows because he continues to show his um, dominant personality trait of loser, and he opens his big old mouth asking Adar, what they should call it, Lord Father. What should we call it if you don't like the Southlands name anymore? What do you want to call it? <sighs> Gag me. The orcs chant for him and at our lo- looks to Mount Doom. In what I find an awesome, albeit obvious, transition, the name the Southlands appears on the top of the screen before burning away, revealing black text spelling out Mordor. Whoa. Yes. Like, it, it was really cool. Again, Obviously, when they're just like, what are you going to call it? And it's like, I wonder what they're going to call it. I would have laughed Clearly. If, he, if he said something like really, really generic or something. It was just like, what? The really? land of darkness. <laughs> and then there's Waldrick in the front just like, I love it. It's genius. And then the it's orcs genius. are just like, it's stupid. Could you imagine if it was something <laughs> like, so it used to be called the Southlands. Could you imagine if they were like, what if we call it the land that was the Southlands? It's like, no. <laughs> The you lands south of everything this. else. <laughs> land. <laughs> just, just like in all caps, just land. It's like, is that Latin? No, it's just, I just like land. wanted to lengthen the L O V A. Just it's land. It's land. No, not Latin. Yeah. Personally, <laughs> um, this is what I think that season one should have ended on. Like last time we were talking about what I think would be like a good end. I was thinking the formation of Mount Doom, but I actually do like this transition of where it's like, what should we call it? And that's because I officially the Southlands becoming Mount or becoming Mordor. And I think that we should have ended with this scene with that kind of transition. Um, that we kind of do something similar in the next episode without getting too far into it, because we're going to get into that very, very soon. But um, Sauron, the character that is Sauron is revealed. We do get that answer in episode eight. And when that character goes to Mordor at the end, I think that should have been when this happened. He should basically take at our spot in this little transition of, He's like him going to the Southlands and then like it says Southlands on the top and then turns to Mordor, like kind of like with the wide view of Mordor that you yeah. get when this happens. Excuse me. I think that that would be um, really, really cool. I think that would be a good little button. And if, if you rearrange things a bit, I think you could still keep everything that happens. I'm not saying, like, you should just, like, cut it and fit it into these six, seven episodes. Yeah. If you just, like, rearrange some things, combine some things, like, move some things, I think that this could have been the last scene as it is currently done right. with, if we just replace Adar with the person who becomes Sauron. You could have ended on, like, this Sauron. climactic scene of, like, what do we call this land? And it's revealed that they yeah, call this land Mordor. Because, I mean, I think that is, like, a big... To, that that is a big turn in the story like we have lost the southlands the southlands do not exist anymore this place that we were for eight episodes it is gone this is mordor we are like it is going to be very difficult to get it back and very clearly we're not going to get it back it's going to stay mordor into the third age right so i think that that would have been a very powerful kind of like end of just like 
this is the climactic ending aftermath of everything that happened in this. We have lost the Southlands. Um, assuming that you guys haven't been spoiled yet, um, I'm going to keep being very vague about who Sauron is mm -hmm. because I want to see if you can guess. <coughs> so I'm going to, if you think you've got a guess, um, don't say it out loud because I'm I not. feel like my reaction, maybe like write it down somewhere. And then when I reveal it, you can show it to me and we'll see if you were right. I don't know. I, <laughs> I honestly probably will guess wrong. I'll keep it in my head, but mm -hmm. I'll probably guess wrong. All right, honor system then. <laughs> I'll, I'll I hand over my heart, okay. you know. I so I swear okay. by the honor system. I'm totally not crossing my toes or my fingers right now. <laughs> no, totally not. No, I swear. Yeah. Um, and also, keep an open mind and like wait for the entire episode because there's gonna be a point where you're gonna be like, oh, that's obvious. Okay. Keep all an right. open mind. Keep an open mind. I want you to take in all of it. Okay. All of the information, and then make your judgment call. Okay. So episode eight, Alloyed. In episode eight, Stranger is wandering around the Greenwood and remembering how Nori told him that he is good. He's a good guy. He's clearly a little concerned, though, after the reckless Harfoots made him believe that their stupidity was his fault. And he sees a cloaked figure behind him. It's Nori, but wasn't she with Marigold Poppy and... Oh, wait, definitely not Nori. Not Nori's eyes turn icy blue as she bends down, stands up again, revealing Eminem's creepy... And the other two creepies emerge from the trees because they can shapeshift, which is actually pretty cool. I mean, that's and that's not something that the that's out of place with the lore. Sauron and other people can like kind of shapeshift a little mm. bit. Hmm. But instead of attacking, they bow to him. We come to serve you, one of the non-Eminem creepies says before finishing it off with a whopper. Lord Sauron. Dun dun dun. Whoa. Uh. Cut to title sequence. No. I imagine the scene was way more dramatic and like awesome looking. I don't want to say I kind of saw it coming, but I kind of like thought it would be him. Like I was like kind keep, of keep. All right, I'm keeping going. an open mind. Keep it going. All I'm, right. I want to tell you before I get too far into this. I was as I as I said in the group chat. All right. I was spoiled. So oh, Facebook. Right had told me. Curse your Facebook. Us. And they were right. I was thinking for maybe like a minute here and there that was like maybe, just maybe they're doing this troll. Like, right? There's like, like maybe crazy they're fan like theory. making things up. They're like using fan art or there's like saying some things and they're just making some stuff up. That way um, they can like try to troll people who maybe haven't seen it yet because this was the day after it came out. And you hadn't seen it yet. And I hadn't seen it yet. I hadn't gotten around to seeing it Friday when it premiered. But Saturday, I, I didn't see it Saturday. I saw it Sunday. But I was spoiled Saturday. Oh, no. I saw it you scrolling know. through my Facebook feed. Where there was like a Lord of the Rings page that I follow. And they spoiled it. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Why? Why would you do this? We are going to get into a little bit of a talk. When do you think that is it acceptable to have spoilers for a new show? Uh, I mean, do you want me to talk about it right now or like? Yeah, no, just briefly oh, right okay, now. Okay. So I like, mean... assuming that the spoiler is in an obvious place that you can accidentally stumble across. I'm not talking about, you know, breakdowns, reviews where it clearly says like we on, are going to go into spoilers. Like on Facebook and Yeah, just like just like a message that you can accidentally get um, spoiled. I would say like maybe like a week. 
Agreed. Maybe. I At would least say it depends. Like, but I would say like a week mm, is like generous I would say, enough. Where yeah, I would say, yeah. I would say a week because if you haven't gotten to it in a week, then you're not really trying too too hard to avoid them. If it's like a show but, or movie, I, yeah, yeah. A week. I think. But if it's in the theaters only, if it's in the theaters only, I would say two weeks because yeah. it's a little harder to right. Yeah, get there necessarily. I think it depends on what media you're seeing with something like what mm-hmm. you're watching, where it comes out every week. I think a week is plenty of time because. Mm-hmm. By then, you should be getting ready to watch the next episode. Yeah, but for things like mo- like Marvel movies, whatever, where people usually want to go to the theater, yeah, I would I'd, say, I'd say two it's a little weeks. longer than a week. I'd say two weeks for things that are in the theaters because not everybody can get to the theater immediately. People have lives, and it also costs money to go to the theaters. And you know, sometimes you also want to go with your friends, so you're not just going to watch it alone like I do. Um, so, I would definitely say. For, unless you're going to hide the spoiler and be like, spoiler warning. So, like, I cannot accidentally stumble across it. Like, if it's, like, in a YouTube video, if there's a spoiler section, okay, fine. Right. As long as you're like, hey, I'm going to spoil some stuff, turn away now. If there was preface for the spoiler. If you yeah. post, it, I, was I would say, say you like, could yeah. do it earlier then. But if you're not, if you're just going to, you know, go to Facebook and be like, hey, Sauron is blah, blah, blah. And put a post in a Lord of the Rings fan page, like fan group. Uh, I mean, the day after it's revealed. That that's kind of harsh. That's kind of like I was that's not cool. So yeah. not happy. With I think that. that would be totally fine if it had a spoiler warning, but obviously it, it didn't. If and it was, if it was if it, something yeah. that I wouldn't accidentally say, so if it was like, you know how there's like a certain amount of characters or something that will let you and it's like see more is like spoiler is. Yeah. Like, if there's something like that where it's like I cannot accidentally see it just by scrolling through my feed because right, that's right, what right. I was doing. I was scrolling through my feed. I wasn't even on the page. I was. It came up on my feed. Oh, it was like the preview for like what was written and like in the preview that no, you could it, see. No, it had a picture. Oh, oh, that's and not it cool said in the all. group t- in the thing too, and I'm like, uh, that's dumb. Yeah. That's not cool. Yes. Like, if they did spoil, now it's like spoiler. If you want to like post spoiler stuff like obviously i would say like you know put spoiler tags spoiler tags so or like censor it whatnot or like, i don't care how yeah. you do that make it so i cannot accidentally see it otherwise you are being mean and i do not appreciate that so to whoever spoiled it then for uh natalie here uh aragorn fan page i am talking about you you Ooh. it's not a name it's not a name i don't know this person's you, name so no, i yeah, will yeah, i fair. will call it out but, you know, whoever the individual is who did that, uh, mm-hmm. shame on you. That's not cool, man. Yeah. yeah. That was – that that hurt me. Why'd you do that? <laughs> How loser. <dare> you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they were a loser per se, but it's like – It man, was just – it was I a hope, low blow, man. It I was hope, a low blow. I hope that when you go to sleep and whatnot – I hope that, you like, see my you face. Just, I know you can't see me right now. Well, but just imagine what my face looks like. Well, I wasn't going to say that. I was going to say that, like, you know, where, however they, like, try to sleep in bed, that, like, they're just not comfy at all in bed at all or you know that they're like anytime they make popcorn they just like burn it every single time no matter how you set your microwave (laughs) or anything or the air popper it just burns every single time (laughs) like i hope you get nothing but burnt popcorn for at least for the rest of your days yes for two weeks anyway but yes after the title card has finished we are inside eregion um elrond and celebrimbor are worrying since apparently they haven't told Gilgalad yet that King Durin pulled a big meanie and wouldn't give them the mithril. Galadriel rides up with Halbrand crouched over behind her on his own horse. He is still on his own horse, but at least he does seem to be in a little bit rougher shape now <laughs> after, you know, riding on his infected 
gash on his side. The strength of this man. Oh, yes. So, <laughs> um, yes, Galadriel rides up. I don't know how he's managed to come this far behind her. Apparently, they've ridden six days without resting. I hate that they mentioned that they rode specifically six days. Because, I mean, I knew it was far away, but I don't know how long it really takes to get there. Like, as l at least don't give me a time frame. Because if you give me a time frame, it's like, oh, this was six days. And I'm like, no, that that's longer than six days. Okay, forget how tough Galadriel <laughs> is. Forget how tough. Yeah, for all uh, you people all out there that are saying that Galadriel is a Mary Sue for taking on a snow troll, of all things. Uh-uh. Nah, the horse is the MVP here. <laughs> Shout Definitely. out to the horse. Like, Definitely. Six days no rest, man. Unnamed that poor horse. horse. You are the MVP. You are the king or queen of my heart, and you should rule over Middle Earth. There you go. Yes. I think they should have made it more vague, personally, though I don't think, I don't see how Halbrand survived it. Six days. Even. I don't like, I, like, that seems like too short a time for the distance they were traveling for me, but even then, like, constant riding. On an infected side. Like, it's already infected. It's not like it was, like, infected sometime on the journey. Exactly. It's, it was infected already, like, a day after. Like, it... Like, mm. the, the infection had a day start. So, by the time they got to their destination, it was like, oh, it's been, like, a week since I've had this, yes. like, infected injury. Like, nah, no way. Yes. Um, like, I'm not a healer. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a medical student. But that, that seems really, really strange to me very impressive halbrand very impressive survive he does and he's back up on his feet in no time you know that that elvish healing 10 out of 10 now hold on, quick question the the elvish the elf that healed him long hair or short hair um or was I, were they I not shown i don't remember like there was like <sighs> a bunch of elves standing over him at one point i don't maybe it's like all the short hair elves are just not that great. That's why their hair is short because they just don't have exactly. That's what I'm trying to say. Like maybe like the short hair elves just like aren't that good at healing or something like that. And only the but long Galadriel hair elves. then should be able to heal. Well, I then, don't know. Well, then maybe she's defective. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> she didn't. She didn't take good notes on how to heal. Yeah, she she fell asleep in her healer training. Um, so. Halbrand stumbles into Celebrimbor's workshop, seemingly having been looking for Galadriel. And I say that because he's yelling for her. He's calling her name. It's like, Galadriel. Kind of, Wonder who yeah. he's looking for. Yeah. Uh, that's why I, I brilliantly <laughs> deduce that he's probably in there looking for Galadriel. Halbrand finds himself very interested, though, in what Celebrimbor is working on, stating that he's heard of the great Celebrimbor's work from the master that he apprenticed under because Halbrand is a blacksmith as well. Um, Halbrand examines the mithril ingot, which Elrond gave to Celebrimbor, and when the latter mentions that they don't have enough of it, Halbrand suggests that while making a mithril alloy with some metals may di dilute it, there have also got to be some metals that they can combine it with that would amplify it then. And he calls this advice a gift. What a fantastic gift. Uh, where's the gift receipt? I'd like to return this. <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> Back in Numenor, Farazan tells some architecture apprentices, including Aarian, who's um, Isildur's sister, in case anyone has forgotten, that soon the king, Muriel's father, will be dead and black flags of mourning will fill the harbor. He also tells them that they will all have like about an hour with the king to design a tomb of all tombs, like the bestest tomb ever to tomb, just for this guy. 
um, which is actually pretty good because there's like a running thing with like the Numenorians and like Gondorians, like it carries on about just like how like they're building tombs for their ancestors grander than like for their sons and you know stuff like that. Like there's yeah. there's some um, thematic stuff here that that makes sense. Um, when Irarian takes her turn. The king grabs her and begs her to return to their old ways of the faithful to save their island because there's that whole vision where it Atlantis style gets destroyed. Mm-hmm. And he mistakes her for Muriel. He opens a door and I don't know how he like got out of bed because he seemed pretty in rough shape. But he like gets out of bed and like gets over to the door pretty quickly <laughs> for this old guy, this old ailing man. But he he did pretty good getting to that door. He opens the door, Ariel. Um, enters and finds or Aarian. I don't know why <laughs> Aarial. Um, Aarian enters and finds the Palantir, but they are they look in. Um, in Eregion, Gilgalad has arrived and is meeting with Elrond, Celebrimbor, and Galadriel. Celebrimbor suggests a mithril crown that can be given to Gilgalad so he can like channel it and use it to save the Elven race because again mithril does this now. I still hate it. <laughs> but it does need to be something circular as well because that will loop the power back on itself in a never-ending loop. It's got to be circular, guys. <laughs> Remember that. It's important. Because rings are circular, and they well, must just... Well, you know, know bracelets are, Whoa. too. We, we don't know. Whoa. We don't know I, I that totally, we're going to be making rings. I totally they could be bracelets. They, they could be friendship bracelets, guys. We don't know. <laughs> a, a ring is just a tiny bracelet, and a bracelet is just a huge ring. Yeah, maybe, maybe it's going to be necklace. Maybe it's a crown. Like they said, we, we can't possibly predict where this is going to go. A crown True. is just an even bigger mm-hmm. ring. That sits atop your head. Mm-hmm. But Gilgalad, in a show of wisdom, which I will begrudgingly admit because I was not very keen on him this season. I was a bit suspicious of him, and I still don't really like him too much, even though the elves aren't apparently trying to pull a fast one with the dwarves. Apparently, this mithril is magic with ugh. But I still don't like him very much. But he does pull a Jon Snow and says he doesn't want it, it being the crown. He says it's too much powerful power for one person. But that's where the wisdom ends because he's just ready to nope out at this point and have all the elves leave Middle-earth rather than try something, anything else. He's just given up at this point like, oh, well, we tried. Guess we're leaving now. <laughs> we gave it a good effort. <laughs> you. I'm out. Um, Keller doesn't want to give up yet, though, and he says something very telling, something that Galadriel has heard before from Adar. We are on the cusp of crafting a new kind of power, a power not of the flesh, but over flesh. Elrond also pleads the case for continuing, throwing Gilgalad's previous words about hope never being mere back in his face. Um, Gilgalad has no argument to this, so he relents, giving them a few more months. Halbrand, along with a bunch of other smiths, gets to work immediately on these definite not rings. Totally not. Just circular objects. Circular objects that, as of right now, is a single crown that definitely will not become multiple smaller objects in the future. Totally not. But the words Celebrimbor spoke really rubbed Galadriel the wrong way. And after he's not able to sufficiently tell her where he heard the phrase power not over the flesh, but or not of the flesh, but over flesh, she has one of the extras search the archives for any records of the Southlands royal bloodlines. The elf tells her that they rarely keep such records for any kingdoms of men. Shocker there. But he's going to look for him. (laughs) Good job, extra. You made your, your day player 
role there. Good job. 10 out of 10. Real MVP. <laughs> right alongside the horses. <laughs> in the Greenwood, the three creepies are giving the stranger an astronomy lesson, revealing that the constellation he's looking for can only be seen in Rune, their home. They also give him lessons in being Sauron, telling him that every living creature is his slave and how he will eventually learn to use his powers to their full potential when the veil on his mind is lifted. Because he obviously doesn't know who he is or, you know, how to control his powers. So they are like, oh, clearly you have something and you have to like work past <laughs> it. And then, yeah. I think I've had a veil over my mind for years now. <laughs> yeah, this, the stranger does some magic. The wind picks up whipping everything about so the m&m creepy knocks him out while the other two begin binding him to a tree i don't know how that would hold him if he's sauron remember i just <laughs> like it's just okay i'll just tie you to a tree sauron i, I hope you're cool with that master I, of everything i like how they're like all right like i just imagine they sit him down and mm -hmm. he's like at like a desk and they got like a whiteboard like a chalkboard it's like all right how listen here to how sauron. to how to be sauron <laughs> step one look evil Step two, like us. rule every. <laughs> step two, rule every living being. Step three, kill lots of trees. <laughs> you really wanted to get that. In I there. wanted to get it in there so so bad. Maybe but, that's. But he healed a tree, so he's okay, clearly right, not fine. doing right, very right, well right, right, at right, this right. job. Scratch step three, skip to step four, which is just be more evil. But not to worry, because Sauron, who clearly will not be able to escape these bindings totally these rope not. bindings on this tree that these three creepies have tied him up with um the harfoots here are here and they're ready to work some good old hobbit magic and save the day they're they plot their best plan of action when they notice that now only two mystics remain near the rema the restrained stranger mommy marigold distracts them while nori and sadok run up to untie their friend but then marigold comes across an unconscious body on the forest floor the stranger Dun, dun, dun. He has a twin brother. <laughs> we never knew. <laughs> Just like Durin. <laughs> there we go, exactly. The fake stranger that Nori and Sadok are freeing is actually Eminem in disguise, much like earlier in the episode. Uh-oh, how they did this switch thing with the Harfoots watching them? I, I don't know, but a wizard did it, I guess. So the other creepies return to camp, and one of them chucks a knife whizzing by Nori's ear, before it impales Sadok in the stomach, side, chest, you know, somewhere. It hits him. It's like this big, oh no, moment. The wind picks up, though, before they can harm Nori. And the real stranger appears. He was the, the guy, again. The real one was the one that Marigold found knocked out on the forest floor. Uh. He stands up. He's like, oh, you're threatening Nori. So I'm going to, like, you know, come in and whip some stuff around and do some magic to stop you. So he super pounds the ground again, throws them back. Only Eminem is able to use her staff to stop from flying backwards. They keep using feminine pronouns. I, I don't know <laughs> what this person is supposed to be. So who, who knows? We try don't know. Try not to misgender. Uh, but the Collider article uses feminine pronouns. So if I say she, that is why. Um, then Eminem picks up some fire and blows it at the Harfoots um, hiding in the trees because she's able to throw the stranger around a bit with a staff, kind of like how wizards, you know, use their staffs and it's like, uh, throwing you around with it. Yeah. Um, so she goes after the hobbits in the trees and Nori runs the stranger and begs him to help before they're all turned to roast hobbits. Um, the stranger tells her to leave because he doesn't want to hurt her again, which, as I said, was her fault to begin with, but he apparently does not believe this. 
and the creepy ladies have shown him who he is. Nori reminds him that actually, only he can show who he is, and he's here to help people. She knows it. Sure enough, help he does, again, and fried hobbits are off the menu for now, and the three creepies seem to have realized their oh-so-hasty proclamation on his Sauron-ness was mistaken. <gasps> oh, plot twist. He is not Sauron. He is the Eastar. Yes, I've been saying that since episode two. I could have told you that. But lesson learned, never take it for granted that the strange dude you find in the woods is Sauron, I guess. <laughs> he bathes them in a blinding white light, and the three creepies are no more dissolved into moths, oddly enough. Unfortunately, however, Sadok must have slept through when the plot armor was being handed out this episode because his wound is unfortunately fatal. Oh, no. The other Harfoot sit with him, and he actually isn't too distressed with his impending doom because he'll get to see his wife again, which was actually pretty sweet. Another person to wait for, though he's actually dead, so they do have an excuse here. On the Numenorean ship, Muriel offers Elendil leave of duty to mourn, which the dude absolutely deserves after being tricked by the mean riders into believing that his son is dead. Elendil does seem to have regained some of his composure, though, because he reaffirms his dedication to being one of the faithful, saying that he will ensure that everything they've lost will be worth it in the end. So he's over his mad at Galadriel stage, at least, seemingly. Love that man. He deserves a hug again. And Muriel will need one, too, though, because uh, even though she can't see it, when they arrive in Numenor, black flags are draped around the harbor. Sad times yes, are awaiting us. There's so much death now. Back in Eregion, Galadriel has also learned the lesson about making quick assumptions about people's identity. In her hands is a scroll with the lineage of the royal line of the Southlands. A line that was broken over a thousand years ago. Oh, man. I have no idea how this is conclusive proof, given that everybody but some of the elves thought the same thing about Aragorn's line. But I guess this time it's actually true. Halbrand arrives, excitedly telling her that since the Mithril is too powerful for one object, because of course it is. It's Mithril, after all. Mithril's always been so magical. They're going to be making two objects and you know what they're gonna be a bit smaller <gasps> surely Aww. friendship bracelets not rings right totally. why would they be rings totally wow i i'm <laughs> shocked here i wow couldn't yes. see that coming at all galadriel is a bit shocked as well and she's not in the mood for friendship bracelets <laughs> she asks him who he is he answers well, you know full well who i am and she's like nope who are you really? Mm. Then, of course, she tells him how the last man to, bell, to bear Halbrand's crest died over a thousand years ago with no heir. Halbrand quite correctly points out, well, I did tell you I found it on a dead man. In hindsight, it's pretty funny because he did actually tell her that. And she didn't believe him, <laughs> claiming with no other evidence that surely he's the heir to the Southlands going as far as to single-handedly and without Halbrand's consent convince Numenor of the same. Is it really surprising that he just kind of went with it after telling her no and her ignoring him so many times? Not I don't really. blame him at all. Yep. Not really. Yep, you played yourself, sis. I'm sorry. 
she tells him to tell her what his name actually is. And I think we can all guess at this point, right? Yeah. Pretty much. I have had many names, he smirks. And at this moment, everything became clear. No one, and I mean no one, figured this out until this exact moment when the writers revealed it. It's not like he hasn't been more suspicious than usual this episode. Galadriel is not pleased with Sauron's honest answer, so she tries to stab him in the face, which he easily blocks. Wow. <laughs> wow. Whoa, That's did you, you get it? it. Uh, I'll, I'll show you my guess. All right, who would you guess? I went slow shady. You went slow shady. <laughs> <laughs> but slow shady. Eminem. Eminem. Oh, M&M that's Eminem's. Oh. Yeah. <clears throat> but I, um, I will tell you that that was another contender. Yeah, for it. I just clearly slim shady was a little suspicious. Eminem yes. was suspicious. Yes, and I would say that he was he she. I, I like I said I don't know. They. I but don't this know. person is. This person was definitely the most evil. Clear evil, which I just I thought that that was clearly not Sauron because they were so evil. Like totally, yeah. They're, if you're trying to make it a secret, which they clearly were, like, I mean, I guess maybe you could like double bluff it, but <laughs> sure. I just I went for the mm-hmm. obvious choice. Mm-hmm. Do I? I mean, I mean, mine was Mr. Magic Man, <laughs> Mr. Mr. Clean. They whatever they did want you to think. They, it was like, I mean, like I mean, I'm not exactly okay. watching the show, mm-hmm. so that's kind of who I thought yes. it was. And I like, will you know, say yeah. that I don't know how I would have done if I hadn't been spoiled. They show they Facebook said <clears throat> Albrand is Sauron, and I saw that before I saw the episode, but there was a line of dialogue. That you laughed at. Yeah. That I included specifically because it was a giant red banner. Glowing banner. Fireworks. Was that I, the, the whole like, oh, nobody like, you know, check for records of human or That whatever. wasn't like, yes, but that wasn't the line. I'm talking about like a specific thing that a character says, a dialogue line. Oh. Well, what was it then? I kind of forgot. Call it a gift. Oh. See. Yeah. I'm going to get into this later, but. um. In the Silmarillion, one of Sauron's disguises is Anatar. And Anatar means Lord of Gifts. Oh. So immediately, when that was revealed, I was like, ugh, <laughs> Facebook! <laughs> <laughs> so immediately, I would literally like slam my hands on the desk that I was watching. And I was like, at that moment, I'm like, because at first, I was a little bit. I was second guessing myself when they were just like, "Oh, Sauron," with talking to the stranger at the beginning. I was like, "Oh, did Facebook lie to me? Maybe." You put and, the- and then Hal was being suspicious, and I'm like, "This is still going on. Like, I, I, it, it still could be. It could be." And then he was like, "Call it a gift," and I'm like, "Sauron, <laughs> <laughs> like, it's it's done. It's a done deal. He has come out of the closet. Definitely, <laughs> Sauron is out of the closet. He's not going back in it. He's being himself, who he truly is." He just comes he is out, out and about and yeah, it he's Sauron, he's Sauron, done, case closed. Sad. Yes. So she tries to stab him in the face because she really doesn't want that friendship bracelet now. Um, nope. She's and then suddenly she's back in Valinor. Sauron's playing a bit of a mind trick on her, you see, and Finrod, her brother, calls out to her. Clearly an illusion from Sauron. 
So she tells him to get out of her head. Does Sauron listen, though? I'm no. going to take no. a guess here and go, no. No, he doesn't. I mean, I mean it's Sauron. Like, he's... Yeah. What do you think? Finrod, yeah. in quotes, insists that both he and Sauron were trying to ensure peace. He says Galadriel doesn't need to lie to anyone. Just let the work continue as planned. Yeah. Right. Right. Galadriel calls, calls this as a bunch of garbage and walks away, only to be transported then to the raft where she met Halbrand, quotes, now, using his own voice, he pleads with her in what I believe is kind of actually a mix of deception as well as some potential genuineness. I'm not sure, but I'm just going to distrust all of it because I don't buy the redemption thing that he's selling. More on that later. He's called the deceiver, after all. Everyone says Sauron, the deceiver. He deceives people, clearly. He tells her that he's only ever told her the truth. He told her he wasn't the king of the Southlands. He wanted to stay in Numenor, but she didn't let him. Which is kind of funny because it's kind of like the show was saying that since Galadriel never went to Numenor in the books and Sauron did in fact stay there for some time, Galadriel kind of like interrupted the timeline is nice. kind of what I got. So I was like, ah, yeah, he, he would have. <laughs> he told her that he'd done dark things in the past and she hadn't cared because she believed that his future did not have to be bound by what he did in the past. And it's true. That's a sweet thought. Yeah. And not only is it a sweet thought and like a good thought, it's true. That's all did happen. Sauron is not lying about this. He is right. That said, I still would not trust him either. He tells her that he would make her a queen stronger than the foundations of the earth and that he's not a dark lord with her. She binds him to the light because that doesn't sound like the I can fix him mentality at all. He claims that they can save Middle-earth together and then outs himself as the bad guy when she asks if he means actually saving it or ruling it. Because he says he sees no difference. Because good guys always say things like that. Always. I mean, he's not exactly wrong, though. <laughs> Sava, is there something you want to share with the group? Yes, I am. Any power-hungry <clears throat> fantasies to mm. gain dominion over all of life? Not really. Mm. <laughs> we'll see. Good to know. Good to know. The, the rest of the, all the listeners are like, Sava is secretly sorry. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just sitting <laughs> the here. The real I'm, reveal. I'm, I'm sitting here like, We've you know. had two outings of Sauron, <laughs> but both of them were lied. You were all of you deceived. Yes. For I in secret, you all. there is a third Sauron. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Confirmed. Unbelievable. Yes. I mean, like, wait, how tall is Sauron, do you think? Yeah. I don't know. I'm thinking six foot three uh. with uh, longish black hair, a beard, <laughs> <laughs> off in a headband, plays trumpet. Nah. Spoils know a, guy a lot like because him? only evil I, people do that. I mean, that is very evil to spoil the world. How dare I? He <laughs> might just DJ at a radio station. Who knows? Who An knows? unnamed radio station. To- totally not. Also, one of the hosts of you know the latest and greatest you know entertainment podcast. You know, totally not at all. No. The hottest no. podcast on the market right now. <laughs> yes, hottest. Well, unfortunately for quote unquote Hallbrand. Galadriel does see a difference between saving and ruling because, yes, Sava, there is one, and it is obvious. (laughs) And they break up because she isn't going to try and fix him. 
They are engulfed in a storm. They scream at each other. Sauron's eyes turn into slits and his voice booms with power, daring her to tell people that Sauron is alive because of her. Galadriel falls into the ocean again. This time, Halbrand does not save her. But Elrond does, pulling her out of the river back in Eregion. Sarbrand is gone, and Gilgalad's words have kind of sort of come true. If she didn't save him, he'd be down a body and temporarily stopped. But I don't really buy that he would not have kicked events into motion anyway eventually once he got a new body. Because as we said last time, Sauron doesn't actually die when you kill his physical form. So even if Halbrand would have died, Sauron still would have been around. It might temporarily inconvenience him, but I feel like he'd still... He's still floating around somewhere. Yeah. I don't yeah. really see what he's talking about. Yeah. Like, that that's what they were trying to do. They were trying to do the, oh, like, you saved him trying to, like, fight this darkness, but he was actually the darkness himself, and you know, if it wasn't for you. Like, I feel like there would be a better way of doing that, and I will get into that with my thoughts about Sauron, because if you remember in the last episode when you asked me who I thought Sauron was... I said Halbrand was the most likely mm-hmm. and the least likely. Ooh. And I still hold by what I said about both of those things being true. I will get into that in a second after the breakdown in my kind of radio-oriented thoughts as well because I'm doing that last. So Galadriel, having figured out finally who Sauron is, mm-hmm. does not share this very important information with anyone. Though she does run back to the workshop. But instead of stopping this thing that Sauron was heavily involved with and kind of instigating Mm -hmm. a bit, she is going to keep it going, but she does insist on making a third ring. And she says that they must only go to the elves. They must not treat with Halbrand anymore. Not why, though, which, again, very important, kind of something that I would want to know. Like, sure, sure. If I was working in close quarters with Sauron and you were like, oh, I don't think she really, she really doesn't need to know that. Just for undisclosed reasons, we're not going to be welcoming that guy back for any smithing parties anymore. <laughs> I would like to note that while she is taking precautions and ultimately the three elven rings are not tainted by Sauron, despite his quasi involvement with them, and the elves do kind of need them to not die. She does, as Sauron posing as Finrod had said, she does not tell them about Halbrand's true identity, and she work, lets the work continue, giving up her brother's sword to do so as Celebrimbor needs pure gold and silver from Valinor to alloy with the Mithril. Worst mistake ever. Like, I, I, I like it. From a writing standpoint, like... From a writing standpoint, it makes sense, but just, like, from a character perspective, like... Uh, I mean... Telling them. She, she should have told them. should have told them. You should have said nah. something. Nah. You see something, say something. Especially but she was scared because she didn't want to be responsible for the one. Yeah. As, as the one that let him still be alive, like he was saying. Yeah. No, it, it makes sense. It does. But. Uh, you, you Not gotta, ideal. You still got to say something. Like, if it's your fault, it's your fault. Just say you're sorry and move on. Um, in the grove, Nori talks to her wizard friend, and he confirms that Istar means wise one, or? Oh, wizard. <laughs> yes. I didn't know. He, I, I was like, like, like sitting here listening. I'm like, oh, you want me to say, all right, hold on, wait, 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 <laughs> yeah. wizard. Yes. 
because we t we knew that already because the five Istari are the five wizards and at least I knew that but anyone probably could have guessed even if you didn't know that that exactly means that you're probably like oh this guy's a wizard mm. I mean Saruman did, does say Istari talking about the wizards in The Hobbit and Unexpected Journey it's kind of like hard to catch because it's well Gandalf and Galadriel are having their little mental conversation mm -hmm. but he does use the word history to reference the five wizards okay so if you caught that then you would immediately know that as well the harfoots are preparing to travel once again and so is the Eastar, but he is heading to rune because while the three creepies were clearly evil he does actually feel like he does need to go there that felt true to him mm -hmm. so um, nori asks if he's going on an adventure and he says no because he's going on a journey adventures are meant to be shared when Nori goes to join her family, however, they have a backpack packed with travel stuff for her. Looks like that journey will be an adventure after all. Poppy hugs her friend, and I totally expected her to pull a Sam and go too. And I expect I was a little disappointed because that actually didn't happen. Nori and Gandalf, stranger guy, go off themselves, just the two of them. I'm like, oh, okay. I was a little sad, though, because I do like the Frodo-Sam dynamic, and I thought that. But whatever. It's its own thing, and we, we don't need to have that again, I guess. Her wizard friend suggests that she leads the way, and she's like, dude, I don't know how to get to Rune. <laughs> the wizard, of course, then realizes that he doesn't know either. Genius. Yes. So he, he just kind of, like, looks <laughs> around, trying to figure out, like, okay, what way do we actually go? And then he decides, he deduces, that the air from that particular direction smells a bit sweeter hmm. when in doubt eleanor brandyfoot he says always follow your nose interesting which is a line that gandalf says in moria almost no. verbatim mm. if this is not gandalf writers i will riot <laughs> because that is just not fair that is this is as close to a confirmation that it is gandalf as you can possibly get without overtly saying. Maybe it's Gandalf's dad. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like, I mean, like, the other candidate is one of the blue wizards because they do go to Rune, the lands mm -hmm. of Rune. But there's only one of him, first of all. And this is not just a line that I feel like you would throw in just to reference. Kind okay. of like, we were talking about how Poppy's song the first one, not the one about the snails, okay. was like Bilbo's walking song and like Bilbo's poem song for Aragorn. Yeah. But that is something like not all those who wander are lost is something that can be attributed to basically anyone or anything or any concept. It's not something that you're going to hear and immediately be like Aragorn unless, you know, you know that deep into the lore and be like, oh, that was Bilbo's song about Aragorn. Mm hmm. This, however, is such a quiz, quintessentially Gandalf thing to say. That is like, always follow your nose. That is such like a quirky kind of character-driven line of dialogue that is like, if this is not Gandalf, if you were throwing that in, it's like, I mean, misdirects are fine, but that is just like a drop-the-mic moment. That was the Gandalf equivalent of Sarbrand saying, call it a gift for me, <laughs> where I'm like, this is just, 
boom, Gandalf. Got to be. So if it's not. Riot. We're going to see Natalie riot. Mm-hmm. Never rioted in my life. We'll never do it again. <laughs> but this is an exception. Anyway, Galadriel melts down her dagger that Finrod gave her so that Celebrimbor can forge his three rings. Shocker. I bet you guys never saw that coming. You thought they were friendship bracelets, but no. They were rings this whole time. Wait, are you serious? I got you. Ha. Rings the whole time? Yes. Natalie. Whoa. Are you kidding? Whoa. I know, right? (laughs) So, meanwhile, Elrond is taking a little stroll by the river, you know, as you do. And he finds the scroll of the Southlands royal lineage. And being. This is just sitting by the river? Well, she dropped it. And, ah, you know, okay. th- in their scuffle, I guess, Sarbrand didn't see it or mm. forgot about it and just left it there. That that seems out of character. Oh, it's, it's whatever. We'll, we'll get to, we'll get okay. to him. Okay. We'll get to him. <laughs> um, so he's obviously a fairly intelligent elf. And he puts it together pretty quickly. Because, obviously. Smart cookie. He rushes in as the elven rings of power are finished. Glaring at Galadriel in what looked to me as a we are totally talking about this later expression. As he should. Finally, the episode in season one's of Rings of Power closes with a black-cloaked Halbrand trekking through the newly named Mordor. Though I doubt it's to make the one ring yet because we've still got 16 to go. Seven for the dwarves, nine to the men. <laughs> From my understanding, like unless they aren't going to show that, those have not been forged yet. Just the three. I mean, I would hope they would show that because, I mean, that seems like a It's very called the Rings of Power. If so you don't show 16 <laughs> rings being forged out of the 20, you got an issue. I mean, I was going to say, that sounds like a very quintessential big plot point, you know, that might be important, you know, but, like, if they glance over it, you know, it's like, okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. By, like, the way, oh, yeah. by the way, in like, between the gap of season one and season two, Here's 16 the, uh, more of these rings were made. 16 other random rings. How were they made? Where were they made? Ah, we don't know. Please don't do that, Amazon. <laughs> Please. Jeff Bezos, if you're listening, we're begging. Yes. I know production is starting. Shooting has already started in New Zealand. Do not do that. Do the reshoots if you need to. I don't care. That is... Reshoots are necessary. What do you, hold on. Reshoots are necessary if that is going to be the case. What would you be more upset about uh, that... You know, the person who we assume to be Gandalf is not Gandalf, or that they don't show the other 16 rings being forged? Gandalf. Well, Gandalf? Okay. I mean, like, because, like, I mean, equal- one <laughs> is just kind of lazy, and the other is, like, you deliberately Teased. A, and it's not just, like, a tease, because, like I said, misdirects are fine, but, like, you all but confirmed it. This Basically. is not something that just any character would say. Like, this is not something that you're just like, oh, I don't know where to go. Oh, the, the air doesn't smell so foul. It's, it's a little sweeter over there. I guess we'll go that way because you always follow your nose. That's not something that just people say. True. Agreed. Never heard that before. Exactly. Th- I've never heard anybody but Gandalf say that. That's not mm-hmm. something that could realistically be like, oh, just anybody could say that. Or it's like, it's like Gandalf, but it's because it's something he said. But anyone in this situation could have said, no, this is Gandalf. This is a Gandalf line. Hundred percent. Um. To that, Gandalf is all but confirmed with this, through his trip with Nori to the lands of Rune. Could indicate Blue Wizard, until I'm shown otherwise. He's Gandalf. He wears gray. 
He talks to insects. He looks like Gandalf to a degree. He likes hobbits. He's a confirmed Istari wizard, at the least. And there's five choices. Right, so, um, yeah, this is going to be the summary for the overall thoughts that we're going into now. So, apart from, like, obviously, big one, Gandalf, pretty much confirmed. Like I said. 99% confirmed. Where's Grey? Talks to hobbits. Talks to insects. Does magic. Is a wizard. Looks like Gandalf. He has his when in doubt, follow your nose line at the end of the finale. So, hold on. How long are we going to have to wait until season two? I will get into that. Okay. All right. So, um, season, or episode seven is called The Eye. It's not related to Sauron's eye. That doesn't happen until the next episode, as we've covered. Um, episode eight has an interesting name, on the other hand. Alloyed sounds like the word allied, which just, you know, I'm, I'm playing with words a little bit here because I just, I thought that was interesting. That thought popped into my head. Alloyed also refers to the mixing of metals, which is exactly what happens in the episode to make the three elven rings, as well as meaning to debase something by adding something inferior. All of these are fitting for the episode where Sauron is revealed. As mentioned last time, they want us to think Isildur is dead. We know he's not dead. I mentioned it 70,000 times in the podcast version where we go more in-depth for all of this. Elendil's wife drowned, so unless he remarries and spawns another Isildur, Isildur literally has to be alive, guys. He's alive somewhere. He's got to be and totally not set up by the horse running off into the wilderness totally not no and it's not it's, like, it's not even like a sealdor's horse this is like a random horse it's right a random horse. it's a bait no, no don't worry about it's, it. a, it's a sealdor's horse he's totally gonna find a sealdor and help him that's gonna happen calling it now um disa starts to act like lady macbeth a little bit in episode seven but there are no dwarves in the finale did you notice that in the podcast breakdown there are no dwarves again now that you mention it, yeah, there wasn't. They were coming after you with that. What finale. gives? They <laughs> were. Oh, wow. They were coming after me so much. Season two, potentially, to answer your question, mm-hmm. comes out in 2024. So I have to wait two years now. Uh, so unfair. Years? I've heard maybe the end of 2023, but more realistically, 2024, because they still have to do all the filming. As I mentioned, that is starting pretty soon if not started already started this month as well as with all the cgi the effects all that stuff putting it together not to mention just the editing in general which Yikes. takes a while that, yes yeah. especially with a bunch of effects and stuff like it's been happening obviously in a high fantasy kind of setting um we find out galadriel is married and it turns out Celeborn is apparently dead or missing I guess would be the latter because they've while they've been liberal with the source material, he's in the movies. It would make no sense to have him actually be dead and stay dead. Obviously, we broke into a little bit more of what could happen to him in the extended podcast. Um, but most of the viewers have seen the movies. So even if they haven't read the books, it would be confusing to contradict anything this big. Goes for a sealed or two. Again, not going to believe he's dead. I don't buy it. Don't buy it either. Apparently, it takes six days to ride on horseback between <laughs> Eregion and Mordor. Don't know how that's possible, since Eregion is by Moria, and Mordor is Mordor. Everybody knows where Mordor is. But it happened, and Halbrand was able to ride there all by himself with an infected wound in his side. 
Sauron reveal was spoiled for me on Facebook a day after the episode came out. I'm still not over it. I think I would have figured it out, though, before the actual technical reveal. Because it was very, very heavy-handed. Even with the misdirect at the beginning of the episode. Halbrand outed himself as early as when they first met Celebrimbor when he calls his advice a gift. Anatar, the gift Sauron go or the gift, the name Sauron goes by <laughs> in the Silmarillion means Lord of Gifts. It's literally a part of his character like that. And while I had a brief thought that Facebook may have been trolling with Gandalf being called Sauron, even though I didn't like him as Sauron, but at the point I put my head in my hands and cursed Facebook's existence. <laughs> Galadriel was also far too suspicious of him for the show to pretend that it was Gandalf's stranger guy. It yeah. was just too heavy-handed for me. I, I probably would have gotten it. I'm like 98% sure that I would have I would have strongly suspected, if not completely, been converted to Halbrand to Sauron <laughs> before he was outed to Sauron. I liked Sauron's portrayal in this more than in the previous episodes as I finally saw what I was describing earlier, the manipulative silver tongue positioning here. It was like I was saying, Sauron is not going to go around telling people that he's untrustworthy. He wants to gain people's trust so he can manipulate them. One of the other most Sauron-y things that Sauron has said was when he told Galadriel that you get people to do what you want by finding out what they want and controlling that. That is what Sauron does. He's not a little finger. He's the guy that pretends to be your friend so he can stab you in the back later. In fact, when Galadriel confronts him, a lot of what he said is difficult to tell if it is genuine or lies, unless, of course, you're like me and you just disbelieve everything because he's Sauron, so it's a lie until it's proven otherwise. The only issue I had with this episode's portrayal of him was still the moments of self-doubt. I still don't buy that. The hints of his untrustworthy nature that he was willing to give out before. Uh, he had a line in this episode about how he almost gave up until Galadriel, you know, found him and coached him and believed in him. Yeah. Sauron doesn't almost give up. He doesn't decide one day that his plan for world domination is going poorly. So he's going to rethink his life decisions until a pretty blonde elf comes along and makes him feel special again. That is not that, going to happen. No. Now, the actor... Charlie Vickers said that Sauron is in the repentance phase, which, to his credit and the show's, he knows what he's talking about. That's in the lore. He worked, Sauron worked with Morgoth, repented to the Valar at the beginning of the Second Age, and then relapsed back into evil. Now, the problem with this is episode one clearly stated that Sauron was evil. He was experimenting with orcs. He was leaving signs for his plans for the Southlands. So... The show is treating him as evil the yeah. whole time. His repentance was in front of the Valor. It was like an accepted wide thing. This isn't just like a personal, I'm going to try and be better that he's doing. This is something that should have really been mentioned if this is the direction they're going in. They're talking about him like he is this evil thing. They're not so worried about him anymore because they think he's kind of down and out now. Yeah. But not because he's repented, just because he's so powerless or just gone in general that they don't have to worry about him anymore. There is a difference there between those two things. Now, I personally think um, that even in the lore, like it said, he's never humbly repentant like, Sar like Halbrand was when he was talking about the darkness in his past. So I still think that that, 
even in the repentance phrase, is a bit much. He's literally, he falls back to his evil ways because of his pride. So I don't buy that at all, really. I think we, even if that is the case, I don't personally think Sauron is a bad guy that needs to be complex. I do typically like complex characters, especially bad guys. But Sauron's not a man, a dwarf, a hobbit, or an elf. He's literally a spirit. An evil spirit who is not always evil, sure. But still, especially in a setting like Middle-earth where things are supposed to be mythical, he does not need character development like that. But if they wanted to go that route, like I said, it's lore accurate. It's not like there's anything wrong with going that route. And they also want to pay off Gilgalad's concern of Galadriel accidentally keeping alive the evil they sought to destroy, which they clearly was were trying to do because they showed that by saving Halbrand and convincing Numenor to legitimize him and back his claim to the throne of the Southlands, we should, you know, that's clearly her keeping alive the evil that she was supposed to destroy. Instead of that, we should have only Galadriel want to hunt Sauron at the beginning. At the beginning of episode one, the elves are laying off the hunt for Sauron, not because he's reformed, but they, they think he's done. It's like how Saruman brushed off Gandalf's concerns over Sauron's return in an unexpected journey. No one believes Sauron can do any damage anymore. But instead of that, my rewrite, my way that I think that they could have pulled off this repentant Sauron thing and done mm -hmm. what they were trying to accomplish is instead of establishing him as evil and just, you know, not as much of a threat anymore, have Sauron have killed Finrod in the battle and then reform himself after the War of Wrath ended. Have the elves accept that this is genuine, except for, Gan or except for Galadriel, who is blinded by her grief and rage. Have her want to hunt him down, believing that he's faking his redemption. Have everyone tell her that she's not the only one to have lost loved ones to the darkness. Tell her that Sauron was deceived, used, and led astray by Morgoth, but is joined with the light again. Tell her that it's good enough for everybody else, as well as the Valor themselves, deities, so why isn't it good enough for her? This can play with themes and issues regarding forgiveness, justice versus revenge, how far you can go if you feel like you've not received justice, reformation, and the arrogance of thinking that you know better than everybody else up to and including deities in this case. And have her be wrong. Have Sauron truly be repenting as according to the Silmarillion, some hold that this was not at first falsely done. And when Halbrand and Galadriel meet, have him know how she feels about Sauron, whether by previous knowledge or have her say something about how Sauron is deceiving everyone and she's sworn to kill him. So he hides his identity from her. He poses as the king of the Southlands in exile as he's taken up that mantle to try and rebuild that kingdom after the true line was broken. This is something he's going to try to do to make up for his mistakes. Make him more of like a Thorin figure, a Thorin kind of exiled king than an Aragorn. Because I don't believe Sauron, in any case, would not wish for a position of influence either to save the world or rule it. He would want a position of power either way. Then they grow closer, and he gives her more clues, Megamind style, so <laughs> that he can maybe stop hiding who he truly is. Because it's kind of getting hard. He's starting to trust her, and he believes that she trusts him too. Then she finds the scroll in Eregion and finds out confronting him and all of her previous hatred returns. She can't believe Sauron can change, even after having seen proof of it. She can't forgive him for killing her brother. Because of this, Sauron relapses, and when Galadriel has wisened up in a season or two, he's past the point of redemption. This would truly be an instance of her keeping the evil she sought to destroy alive, 
whereas how it is now, at best, not helping Sauron would have delayed him a bit, but since he can't permanently die, as we covered last time, he would still pose an issue eventually. He'd still be around. Uh-huh. I don't buy that he was going to give up. Not at all. I, mean, I, I, I love your story so much more than what you've been presented. <laughs> I know. Can, and we, can we just have Natalie be hired to be a writer? Cause, like, <laughs> yes, I, please. Or at least proofread. Was like, proofread, like, please. I, I'm not trying to take any jobs, but it's like, if these people want to just like send me their scripts and have me like read them, I can give them some tips. And you then... know, I'll get right on that. I'll I'll be sending emails out to Amazon Prime. Yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. It, it goes across Jeff Bezos' desk. He's like, "Why am I getting this? Just hire her already." <laughs> yes, um, I would I would be into it. It's like I don't even have to pay that much. Like however much you're paying the writers, you can pay me less than that. That's fine. <laughs> just give give me <laughs> access to see. And, yes. Like, and you know what? If you could just like give me a character as well to play because i want to be an actress like you know what just honestly uh, if you can just get me a character do, and then you won't have to pay me to write do that and make all the elves have long hair again <laughs> yes please that seriously the, that's, for that's the love number one of thing sauron. that i would change no, not really. yes <laughs> um i like the ending on sauron heading back to mordor at the end of season one but i think that the creation of mordor would be better as a whole. So I think we should combine those two. So imagine if they moved some things around, had the battle for the Southlands in episode seven and episode eight was the aftermath, including the Sauron reveal and end the season with Sauron walking into Mordor and having the name card of the Southlands changed to Mordor, just like it does at the end of episode seven. It, it does kind of make sense like more thematically and just like on like a, I guess general, like, I don't know how to describe it, but like kind of like a hype kind of like way of like, I would. It, it would. It makes more sense. That. Like I mean, definitely. Like you anyway, just but. hook line and you just hooked people to like stay tuned for the next season. Yes, you have Sauron and the creation of Mordor, the est- official establishment of Mordor at the same time. I think. Boom. Two birds, one stone. Awesome. For the season as a whole, um, because this is the finale. This is the last that we're gonna get for quite a bit. Um, I think it can be summed up kind of like what I said last time. I'm enjoying it. I like it. Um, the writing was never fantastic, but it wasn't bad enough to the point where I didn't enjoy myself. I think the biggest gripe, if you can call it that, was the potential and the missed opportunities for it to be something greater. It's good right now. It could have been better, a lot better. And I just get excited thinking about these alternate paths that they could have done, these different things that they could have fine-tuned or done, where I was like, that would have been truly powerful. And oftentimes... I don't have to make like very many changes it's at like, all. It's like minor details or something that you would yeah. have rather have. Like, eh. Honestly, even my Sauron rewrite, like I don't think that would take much rewriting at all. Like obviously it, you can't really tell that much if you haven't seen it. But yeah. I mean you can keep a lot of their interactions. You can keep the reveal in episode eight as you well. Just you, change the reveal you just changed the reveal to the last episode. You just change how it set off like portraying him at the beginning. Instead of it being Nobody believes he's actually a threat anymore. It's because he's too weak to become one. It's now he's not a threat because he's on our side now. Yeah. It's, you know, the same thing. And it's not like Galadriel wasn't the only one hunting him at this point anyway. That is true. So I think that I that it wouldn't have been that much change to do some of the other things except for the short-haired elves. <laughs> that idea needed to be just, scrapped entirely. Just, no, that should have not all been of it. at all. Extensive <clears throat> reshoots. I'm sorry. Just, it's, it's don't for the even, best. Don't even reshoot. Just edit them having longer hair. <laughs> just 
I'm not. I'm no pro at Photoshop just, or any I'm just sort of film editing. You're just like poorly edited, like <laughs> long. <laughs> just poorly edit them, like motion just, tracks. You, you just like take. They like take the like what is it? The uh, like the rope tool. They circle all the hair and they just like pull it down. And just drag it to be longer mm-hmm. or something. I don't know. Like mm-hmm. I don't know. But what do you like? I gotta ask. What like out of ten? Season one, Rings of Power. What, what would you give after considering everything? I would say probably around a six or a seven. It varies. It gets a little higher, lowered, maybe depending on like the episodes. But as a whole, I would say around there. Um, it's kind of hard because I'm a bit biased. I love Middle Earth so much that I, mean, I, was, that like, I want. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't mind changes in canon. Like, I've read fan fiction. Like, if canon was important to me, I don't think I'd be able to do it. And I don't really care about subpar writing as long as it's not insulting as long mm-hmm. as i can still enjoy it exactly. again fan fiction that ain't going to be the cream of the crop there not exactly <laughs> some no. of them are surprisingly good though but for the most part the writing is going to be okay all right so i think that that is essentially a good number six or seven because it's not amazing there is a lot of potential that i think could have made it absolutely phenomenal but it is definitely not the dumpster fire that people say. I think casual viewers who like don't know as much as I do would definitely enjoy it. Um, maybe if they don't have as much of a love for it as I do, maybe it would be a little harder to get through the first episodes because yeah. the first episodes are definitely slower. But towards the end of the season, um, there's some stuff happening, and it, it's pretty cool for the most part. Most definitely. I mean, if anything, you know, you know listening to you analyze the entire show definitely caught my interest i mean i can't exactly give a rating because i haven't watched it well i mean you, know, you could but that'd be I kind mean, of rude i could but <laughs> that, that wouldn't exactly be ex- that wouldn't really be fair because i haven't watched it at all not very I mean. ethical right so i'll go ahead and give it a rating right, having fine. not watched it uh, i'm gonna go with the four four out of ten <laughs> four, four out of ten too many hater. short hair elves that is my no True. watch just listening to natalie review i mean if elves are my everything no hair that's a big deal, no good yeah. rating four I mean, to ten i mean if i gotta give a rating i mean i guess i might as well since you both gave a rating and i did ask you for a rating i mean uh just rate your interest in it. how about that don't rate okay, the quality my, okay, rate my the in- interest. okay my interest out of 10 mm, i mean would it okay keeping in mind he also missed an episode of my break i did miss an episode of breakdown which i will probably go back and listen to you know uh that's a pretty good toss though yeah, basically, this is going to have to be the end of my portion after we finish up with some quick little thoughts that Sava clearly wants to say. Um, yeah, I'm just going to say just the, a, a five. Like, if there was more Sauron, maybe a five and a half, but yeah. five. Cool. All right. Yeah, so the extended portion of my breakdown, like I said, will be available on our podcast. It is on Spotify and hopefully by now some other um, Any and podcast all other, platforms yeah, as well. Exactly. If you listen through Apple, whatever Apple's podcast services, I don't know. I'm not an Apple, Apple person. Apple, Google, Podcast Geek. You look up Entertainment Rebooted, you'll find us. Yes. And give it a listen. Give it a like. Give it a share to anyone and everyone. Definitely. Even if they say, I'm not interested. Just like Please be like, no, no, no. Download. Just just listen to it. Trust me. Trust us. Like, it's download great. Download this podcast. If you don't download it, Sauron is going to haunt you and <laughs> like make you... I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what he's going to do. He's going to haunt you. Let's just say that. I'm going to be forced to deal with more short-haired elves. <laughs> for, every, for every share the podcast gets, another elf gets long hair. <laughs> yes. 
All right, that's that's gonna conclude Rings of Power. Uh, we're gonna set go into Isabel's segment now. Which Isabel, do you want me to introduce it for you, or do you want to do it yourself? I got no. it, Salvador. Don't right. even worry about it. I'm not worried at all. I just thought I'd offer. So we're going to move over to my um, review of Hocus Pocus 2. Here's that. As the magic of Halloween is leaving the air, I decided to review Disney's most recent spooky magical comedy, Hocus Pocus 2. Released September 30th to Disney+, Plus, this Hocus Pocus sequel times out at about 1 hour and 45 minutes, and I felt every second of it. So without further ado, here's this week's edition of Worth a Watch. The movie revolves around three young women in modern-day Salem who accidentally resurrect the Sanderson sisters. They must resolve their issues with one another and discover things about themselves in order to defeat the excitable witches. Quick disclaimer, I am not a huge fan of the original Hocus Pocus movie, so diehard fans, be warned and prepared for criticism. This movie is different than some of the other movies I've reviewed, as it is aimed specifically at children, so I'm clearly not the target audience of this film, but I maintain that just because a movie is made for kids doesn't mean it has an excuse to be bad or completely void of enjoyment for adults. That being said, I got very little out of this movie. I found the Sanderson sisters to lack their charm from the original film, and I felt as though our three protagonists were not developed enough for me to really enjoy their on-screen interactions. With no characters to connect to, the story just dragged. The story felt lazy, and I had to fight the urge to get on my phone while watching. I have to say that technically this movie looked nice. I could always see what was going on on screen, and the visuals were nice, but nothing out of the ordinary. I just really wish Disney would stop relying on old movies and invest more in new, innovative ideas, rather than cash in on the success of the original movies like Hocus Pocus and some others I'll mention later. And if you're going to use old concepts, then at least create a movie that's interesting and use these characters that we love in good ways. So is this movie worth a watch? If you're a diehard Hocus Pocus fan or you have kids you want to show something spooky to, but it's age appropriate, not too scary, then sure. But otherwise, no, I don't think this movie is worth a watch. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for next week's Worth a Watch. So now that we found out if I thought Hocus Pocus 2 was worth a watch, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit more about something I mentioned in the review, which is uh, Disney's tendency to use old movies instead of coming up with new and original ideas. So this includes coming up with sequels years after the original movies came out, like um, Incredibles 2 came out years after Incredibles 1, they're just coming out now with a sequel to Enchanted called Disenchanted. And then all of the live-action remakes of animated movies, we've got Lion King, Cinderella, Mulan, Beauty and the Beast, Beauty and the Beast. basically all the movies. Aladdin <laughs> just came out too. What do you guys think about these Disney remakes or sequels? So I'll start with it. I mean, as far as, uh, you know, like, well, let me start with Hocus Pocus first, like real fast, like real quick. I haven't seen it yet, but, you know, comparing and what I've heard, you know, people who have seen both the original and, you know, the reboot, let's just call it for the, for the sake of the argument. Uh, it's not as great. Mm-hmm. Is it good quality fun? Yes. But a lot of people kind of prefer, you know, the first over the second because it feels like the second just kind of follows the same story beats as the first, 
which right. not exactly anything wrong with it, but it's like, you know, 20 year hiatus for a film like this, you would think some things might be a little bit different, but they weren't. Right. So kind of disheartened to hear that. But as far as, you know, your intended question, the, the Disney remakes and the reboots or whatever, not exactly a fan mm-hmm. per se. Like, I mean, I get what they're doing. They're reintroducing their classic films to a new audience, which is fine. But when you, I don't know, cast Will Smith as the genie in the Aladdin remake, and you literally have the king of clean rap redo Robin Williams, it does not work at all. Like, uh, let me, like, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air is the genie, and you have him do his best Robin Williams quote-unquote impression, which he literally just sings Friend Like Me and everything in almost the same kind of vein as Robin Williams, and the it was like it wasn't poorly done, and credit to Robin or Robin Williams, Obviously Will Smith. Robin well, credit to Robin Williams, the goat. I mean, like honest, you're Will Smith. Oh, like, captain, my captain. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to to Will Smith's credit, he would not. He's not gonna. He wasn't gonna be the same as Robin Williams, and I don't think anybody expected no. that to happen. But I mean, because it, it's a huge legacy to uphold. It. It's it's Robin Williams. Enough said. But. It's like you have the the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. It's like let him do his own take on some of this stuff. Yeah. You worked with you the animators worked with Robin Williams. I've said it before uh, when I've been on the radio. There's a segment behind the scenes when Robin Williams was doing the recording, and it's like in the scene where they escaped the the sand lion and like they landed the oasis. Uh, Robin Williams made like a whoop kind of sound effect, and they fitted it into the animation, making it be like. Pinocchio. They put Pinocchio in there just because of a sound effect Robin Williams make. So if you're willing to go that far to work with Robin Williams, Genie, why couldn't you do the same for Will Smith? And the reason I argue for all this is because in the end credits of Aladdin, you hear Will Smith rapping his own version of Friend Like Me, which is a banger. It slaps, and I'm so disappointed that they didn't use it in the film. So I agree yeah. with trying to make it more of his own thing. I personally, I don't really like rap. It, so, it wasn't exactly like a I mean, it wasn't rap, as but. bad as some things. But for me personally, not saying that we should make Will Smith in particular do Robin Williams. But I liked keeping it closer to how it is. Like, I'm kind of like of two yeah. minds with remakes. I like new stuff being added. Kind of like I guess, if yeah. it's like a remake that's like an extended edition mm-hmm. of the original. That is what I think I would like to see. Don't change too much stuff because you're remaking something that is already been told and you're keeping the same general storyline. So it's not even like you're making something completely new. Right. So you should keep most of the original spirit of it, I should say, in there. And for the songs, like there, people got mad with Be Prepared for the Lion King because of how much that was changed. Now, I personally liked it as a different take because it kind of felt like darker and like more serious for me. Now, if you didn't like it, again, that's fine. I'm not saying it I like it over the original, but for its own thing, I thought it served its purpose. Right. And it's like I'm totally fine with, you know, something like that mm-hmm. happening. But it just kinda of like I feel like I can go on forever about this. So stop <laughs> me if I go a little too long. Oh, I'll stop you. <laughs> I, I know you will. But it just feels like like, they want to reintroduce the films to a new audience, which is totally cool. But I feel like there is some sort of, like, nostalgia pandering kind of happening. Speci- specifically mm-hmm. in, like, my case in point example is kind of like in The Lion King, 
where you know Simba, you know, is found by Timon and Pumbaa. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. you know, the joke has always been made that you know Pumbaa is like very gassy and he's just like you know, the fart jokes, you know, and it's like Pumbaa singing is like you're not gonna stop me, and Timon's like, no, I'm not. That's disgusting, and the fart joke is made, you know, ha ha laugh. And it's it just really like, does pull into the the nostalgia, original, original what happened. It's kind of like a wink to it. Obviously, we all know exactly what's being referenced well, by we, that line. Well, we know what's being referenced, but the new audience, the the younger generation, doesn't. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what my I was, I'm trying to get at. That's one of my gripes, my main gripes with the reboots. Is like if you're going to reintroduce, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, if you want to keep some source material, you know, that is totally cool and fine. But like, don't make the same jokes. Like, make it an experience for the younger, for the new generation of people who are watching these Disney films to make this be like the original Lion King for them. But I also think the problem with that also would be is other people are going to see it. It's not just going to be a new audience. So you don't want to completely ruin, for lack of a better term, ruin it for the the old audience because that was their thing that you are now reintroducing. And if you're reintroducing it, then fine. But it should still remain true to the heart of it because, like I said, you're not making something new. Exactly. You're trying to pander to a new audience, yes, but you are not making something new. You are remaking something that you've already made that has a built-in audience. It's kind of like I was saying with Rings of Power, Yeah. how they are making it a Lord of the Rings show to capitalize on the Lord of the Rings fandom. When they, it's like If they want to make their own thing, by all means, make your own thing. But when you choose to make something that is already existing that already has its fan base following it there are certain expectations you're going to have and while i don't think the fans are entitled for you to please them exactly 100 percent, do exactly what they want they are not entitled to support it or like it either you are not entitled to their support of your product either so there is i think a balancing act that you going you're going to have to be cap- to be careful of when you are doing things like this now i am somebody who has enjoyed all the remakes, save Mulan. I got into yeah. that on my podcast that I'm making in my podcasting class, Critique or Cynicism. Check it out. I'm definitely going to check that out, yeah. even though it's, First not episode. Our, our, it's not our podcast, but I'll definitely yep. check it out. Uh, episode one is out on Spotify now. Oh, now, I, anyway. I actually did want to say something. Um, so it's kind of bouncing more off what Sava said about how some people wouldn't really understand the jokes that you're calling back to if you're trying to bring in a new audience. When I was watching Hocus Pocus 2, I could feel when they were referencing something, but I'm not a huge Hocus Pocus fan to begin with, and I've, I've seen the movie, but I, I don't remember every joke that was made. Right. And it kind of annoyed me because I just, okay, just make a joke. I don't need to be called back to a movie that came out, what, 20 years ago that it's I like, barely remember? Yeah. I mean... Even I don't know, it just felt a little ridiculous. It's funny, it's funny. Yeah, yeah, but it was more of just like calling back to something. Mm-hmm. And Without sorry, actually I'm doing not it. that old. It was like, I, I, it, did it feel like it was like, hey, look at this like funny haha joke we made 20 years ago callback kind of thing? Yeah, okay. exactly. Like, it wasn't the actual joke, it was a reference to the um. joke. More of a reference to the joke, yeah. Which, like, just make the same joke again. <laughs> like, if it's still funny, it's still funny. So Right, but... Sure. Uh. Now, I will say that I think sequels, like, if you're going to do a sequel or a remake... I personally would be more interested in a sequel. Yes. Because it is taking the same characters and giving them a new story, giving them a plot. That is where you can change things. That is where you can do something new with the established characters. If you want to reintroduce these characters and this world to a new generation, I think a sequel is the way to do that. 
it's like I think sequel like yes I do agree like with about just like, like you, disenchanted definitely I think that. you basically took like almost all the words I wanted to say basically <laughs> what what can I say I'm smart I'm a smart person you uh, I mean you are a smart cookie <laughs> but I mean I do have to say like it's not a horrible thing I don't think that these live actions are the worst thing that they could have done nor are yeah. like it's I not said, the w- I liked them I don't hate them I did kind of enjoy watching them and mm. it's just like I do hate them. <laughs> okay, well. Well, Isabel hates. I'm glad we have a, a group of different opinions. Here. It's okay. I <laughs> I I like to hate them, but I hate that I like them. If that kind of makes they sense. They are not going to ever be as good as the original. No. But are but they great? Are then they? Why make them? Because it's Disney. It, they want money. Yes, they want money, and I still enjoy them because of the new things that they added. So like Beauty and the Beast audio auto-tune issues aside, Emma Watson aside, oh, all that. Oh, don't get all me that started jazz. on that. Uh-huh. They added some new scenes. They added some new songs. The new songs were really big for me. I liked the adding of the new songs. Evermore. It was pretty beautiful. Good. I, I liked it. I love it. I like I was in a show choir in my high school and for our senior year of it, obviously we weren't auditioning again because we were graduating. Mm-hmm. We got to be like judges. So we got to like have like little a little bit of say in who made the group the next You got year. to have like a slight say as like a very panel slight, of like who yes. gets what, yeah. Yes, very slight. Obviously, director had final say. But um, the seniors would get to sit there. We'd get to ask questions. We get to give our ratings on the performances for the auditions for mm-hmm. the people for the next group. And somebody saying Evermore, and I was like. Do it. Immediately, yes. That one and um, Empty Chairs from Empty Tables from Les Mis. Like, both of those were singing. I was like, these people are the key to my heart. Amazing. Amazing. Sava, what is that face? You mentioned Les Mis, and I have a beef with Les Mis as well. What is your uh, beef with Les Mis, so when I ask? It's just like, okay, so have you ever, like, I, I have not, but have you ever seen the stage play or like the actual real life play of Les Mis. I put on the stage play. Okay. Of Les Mis. I'm talking like, okay, fair enough. So I am going to see it though Saturday as well in Playhouse Theater. You will enjoy that way more than any of the stuff that happened in the the Les Mis theatrical release. Oh, or the you're movie? talking about movie. I'm talking about like. Oh, Les okay, Les okay. I thought you were saying the movie. Okay. Well, no, no, it's, it's, it's movie. Right. Empty chairs at empty tables is in both. What's okay. wrong with the movie? So, where Russell Crowe. Yes. <laughs> Russell Crowe. Who, 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 what is he, who does he play? Javert. <sighs> yes. Russell oh, Crowe. Okay. And then also... Uh, Javert wasn't that bad. Hugh Jackman as I, well. I didn't think... Like, I still enjoyed it. Obviously, people people get on Russell Crowe. I think that like when I first noticed it, I like I said, I put it this, on. So I've, I've heard these songs yes. it, a lot. And the first time I listened to it, I was like, okay, he's rushing it. He's a little bit off-tempo with this. It, he does catch up, so it's not like he no, gets yeah. like off. Oh, but. He wasn't so, he wasn't complete horrible garbage. But he doesn't yeah. have like a scandal or anything, right? Like he didn't no. do anything wrong. No, you no, guys no, no. are just mad about his singing. I'm, I'm not I'm, even mad about it. It's just that is the common okay. thing that people. I started sweating a little that's bit when you guys no, 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 mentioned no, no, no. him. I was like, uh oh, I don't no, want to offend one of somebody the, who's a creep it, or something. <laughs> no, no, no. But like, I haven't heard anything. Sing bad, I can defend. My gripes with Liam is, and I'm trying to like keep this short. Is, uh, no, let's talk about it. Let's okay. tear it All right, open. fine. So, uh, you know, like I said, uh, why did I just space on his name? Hugh Jackman. Wolver- Hugh Jackman, thank you. I don't know why his name escaped me. Hugh Jackman, uh, I mean, he's he wasn't horrible, but like in a sense of like he showed up to film on the set dehydrated. 
just so that he looked ripped for one scene, which I think was in the beginning of the film where they're like hoisting like the broken sail or whatever. It's like, okay, cool. But you got to remember that this is a musical. You don't need to be absolutely ripped like Wolverine. I love that. I love the dedication. I mean, he is dedicated. I'm not taking that away from him at all. And he knows what he's doing. And can you imagine how... He's supposed to look a little malnourished, right? I mean, so if yeah, you if you don't drink water, had a headache, like I all day during set, and I've had headaches when I was like filming things for ZTV before. It is not fun. It's not, but I don't think that a malnutritioned person looks ripped like he was in that scene. In his defense. In his um, defense, yes, yeah, he is he Hugh is, Jackman. It's well, Hugh Jackman. It's Hugh Jackman, but I mean the character Jean Valjean is like his strength is actually something that is important to the plot that is is how javert recognizes him is his being able to lift this heavy cart after him being lift able to lift the heavy flagpole or you know whatever i don't remember exactly what it was in the um play but that's what it was in the movie i mean fair enough i mean but in all fairness like it i mean anne hathaway too like the way like when she was singing in her scene like one of her final scenes she was crying, and one of the things that you never really want to do in any sort of musical is cry when you sing because then you have all, like, the phlegm and everything. It's like, mm-hmm. was it still a moving scene? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Could it have been a little bit better? Yes, but I'm not really blaming her for that. Um, I mean, so, I think it's, like, it. that's forgivable. It's forgivable. It's in the scene. And it like, kind of She's adds, crying. Exactly. I, it makes sense. So I just I want to try and, try and understand your criticism a little more. Did she, did she sound phlegmy? Is that what you're saying? Just, a little bit, yeah, yes. Yeah, I think he's just saying that she didn't sound as good as like normally you would think in a musical setting. Now, what I will but. say is that stage musicals will do that too. No, I understand. Where if a character is going through mm-hmm. a lot of grief, maybe they're not singing to their full mm-hmm. ability. They're, sometimes it's about capturing mm-hmm. your emotion in your singing. I have actually done that. I mean, like, yeah. I sang, um, still from Les Mis, I sang on my own on our like end of the year may fiesta kind of like showcase for my sophomore year Mm -hmm. and i sang that and i was trying i wasn't actually crying i didn't tear up or anything but i did try to mimic it in a sense kind of mimic it yeah and then i went backstage completely dry-eyed and then a group of people actually came up to me was like were you actually crying they asked me if i was crying and i was like no like i wasn't even trying to sound like i was crying i was just trying to like channeled the emotion no, and yeah. like the grief and but i was like no I, I wasn't crying at all and they're like oh it sounded like you were crying it's just like so, if, yeah it, there is a yeah. way to do it and sound it without actually being phlegmy but for like a film setting like when you are that close to the camera i i get it there is some parts where the film does shine but it's just like i and i can't and i still like the film the, the and if you like the film i'm not gonna attack you or anything you, you enjoy the film i'm just saying i quite didn't and it all boils like if I had to point at one reason why mm-hmm. I just think I did not enjoy the film at all is the music and it's not the Which people is the biggest it, so it's not the music that was done itself nor really the actor's fault it was more how they went about with how they did the music and how they did all of it so and it, I, I've done research on this and I did a paper on this but like the guy who did the audio engineering for Les Mis 2012, let me be clear, directed by Tom Hooper, to be explicitly clear. With Hugh Jackman. With Russell Hugh Jackman, Crow, yes. Anne Hathaway, Mendes um, Seyfried. The, the sound. Let's name the whole cast, guys. No. We'll be here all night. Yeah, far. We'll be here all night. That's about as far as I can go. That's as far as we'll go for that. But 
Um, oh, the, the uh, sound... Helena Boehm Carter. Yes. She was in it. Oh, she was amazing. Oh, in a, okay. <laughs> the sound the, the designer, the sound director, I forget the technical title, won an Emmy or won an award. I forget exactly which one. I'm sorry. For his sound design and how he technically did all this because every single actor, every single person had an earpiece in there on them. And there was like multiple options. Like you can have a click track play. You can have a click track with a metronome. You can have the live orchestra, the live piano playing on them. All these things, you know, to make sure that they could stay and beat. And what did Tom Hooper decide to let these guys do? Nah, sing to the beat of your own drum. And quite literally what ended up happening was the entire <laughs> orchestra had to play musical gymnastics oh, to make no. it work. Because in the scene where Hugh Jackman, I forget like what was happening, like what the paper he was ripping as he's running towards the hill or whatever. Uh, in that scene, yes, that scene, you know. In that yeah. scene, Every time he rips the paper, the the orchestra is supposed to like, yes, do the chord with him, and they are completely off. And it's they tried to line everything up, and it's just like Tom Hooper just decided, oh yeah, we're gonna let them do this. It's like what they should have done is just not done that, and then like recorded that separately with a yes, exactly, and then like lined it up in post. Hang on a second. That's what I would have done. You can only do so much though. Yeah. Now that's how all accompaniment works. If I go up and do a solo and I have a piano accompanist, or maybe I have a full orchestra, who knows, maybe I'm that good at singing, they will always go to, they will always let you choose your rhythm. If you want to mess it up a little, you want to play with it, you want to slow it down randomly. I have done solos and stuff like this. You are supposed to stay. Like, at least that's how I was. I was supposed to stay to the rhythm. If I, I was not supposed to hold out a note any longer than I was supposed to unless I was given permission, if they were just, like, now, telling me to do I it. I have also done solos before for that kind of, for competitions. And um, I was told, you know, you, you hold it for as long as you want. You hold it for what feels right. You... You give your accompanist the beat, you let them know what you're thinking, and then you just go. That has never been... Let me just belt a high C as high, as long and as hard as I can go until I turn blue in the face. Yeah. I'm, I like, mean, I mean, I'm not I doubting that that happened you guys. for you. I'm, but I'm not doubting that yeah, it happens. I've, I've done competitions, too. I went solo and ensemble. I've, like, maybe that was your experience. I'm not doubting that. Just for me, that has never been what happened for me. Like, obviously... If you're doing your solo and you're in front of people and you do get off, obviously your accompanist, if they're like any good, they will try to help you out. They will try to do it with you. But it's not usually a matter of go off on purpose. Exactly. But like in the sense of like what I'm trying to get at is in the sense of is when they filmed, they constantly like there was a whenever they did the recordings, there was a live piano and the pianist. She had to try uh, for trying to keep up with them. She is playing out of her mind, trying to just keep up with these people. And for the life of her, she just could not, honestly. And like I said, the orchestra, Mm -hmm. while they were recording, had to do what could be described as musical gymnastics and backflips and just like all sorts of Mm -hmm. wacky stuff just to try to make things line up. That's what they get paid the big bucks for. Do you have any any idea how much orchestras get paid in comparison to the actors? Oh, I know it's pennies, but I'm it just, is chump change. I'm, okay, they should they deserve to make more, but I'm just saying it, it, it is kind of their job. For, yes, it is. It their is job, also but the, the singer's job a little bit. It is too, their job, but for the way the notes 
as they are written to it, some extent. It, exactly. It's like it, well, it, it, it's the director and casting people's job to pick people that can do that. So it, if I get hired to sing a that song, is correct. and I'm doing it the best I can, that is that's correct. That, if, that is okay, correct. but then do you call Hugh Jackman and everyone else's performance like to the best of their ability the best? Because quite honestly, if you compare their performances to the screenplay that it is based off of, it is a sham. In my opinion, sham, a sham, a travesty, a mockery, a travesty of a mockery of a sham. <laughs> how honestly, many, how many movie musicals have you seen, Sava? Because I think taking a stage musical and turning it into a movie musical, it's always going to be like that. It's always going to be very different. You might not. Have... It is going to be different. But what I'm trying to say is like, and it, what I'm trying. I think I'm, he's saying uh, that, like, kind of like what you were saying in the last episode. Was it the last one where you were talking about the? Um, singers being actors yes kind of thing i think he's kind of getting at that like there are you can find someone who can read the music who can sing that's not just like a big name who's not just you know of course i don't disagree with that all i'm saying is way miz the movie not that bad i agree it's not that bad i agree and you're fine to have that, but I'm just gonna end like end my thoughts on Les Mis specifically with this in opera and just like in stage plays that I have seen and I have taken part in, minor roles like nothing major, mind you. It's like you talk until you talk the actors and whatnot talk until they until their emotions can't express that. Then they sing and then you sing until you can't express anymore and then you dance. It quite literally felt that uh, they were like stuck between a loop of in between talking and singing and it just wasn't working out quite honestly and yeah i'm sorry like that i went off on a tangent on les mis no no les mis is it. always a worthy inclusion to it anything. just mm, it drives me nuts because it's like it could have been way 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 better and i feel like like i just honestly am shocked that that film was that uh, people praised the film uh, this for the singing and the music. The music is good for what it is, you know, for all the gymnastics they had to do, but I don't think that it it's just not that as good as some people claim it to be. Like, you are entitled to have your opinion. I am not going to stop you from saying that you enjoy Les Mis as the number one film at all. But in my opinion, <laughs> if, oh, just comparing it to Disney films, it's just like, it makes Disney musical of all the reboots, like, be on a pedestal. It makes the the uh will smith friend like me be like gold versus what they okay, did in you're Les just Mis. wrong now you're just wrong <laughs> uh, tell I, me i'm wrong yeah, i dare I, you i i like it um i did enjoy the movie version i'm not saying it's better or worse than the <laughs> stage version i haven't seen the stage version other than the one that we put on yet again comes not this saturday but the saturday following that will change i will actually get to see it performed when i'm not doing the performing there you go that being said um i believe we were talking about sequels okay yes let let us go back to the sequels i i kind of started that that was my fault no you're totally good i should have held it in i liked i like sequels better than remakes generally remakes are good remakes are fine i have no problem with them as long as they are done well i think that they can be done well by basically adding and building on what is already there not really changing that much, but just not necessarily improving it. It's just like it, an extension to the story. To, yes, extending it, adding more scenes, adding more songs, because the songs are the heart of these Disney animated originals. Definitely. And I, I think overall, 
it's going to be more interesting for me to see a prequel or a sequel, like either or, just yeah. a different story with the same characters that we can we can get attached to that we can get. I think like one of the best like sequels that Disney has done. Right, wait, is it Disney or did Incredible? Did Disney do Incredibles? I'm misremembering. I think. Maybe. I think Pixar did the first one. Disney took over and did the second one. Is okay. my understanding. If that is true, the Incredi- Incredibles two is a great, you know, kind of like sequel. Not the best, but it is a good example of how you do a sequel. Uh, but I do have to ask, how far do you think is going too far in terms of like sequels or like prequels? Like, because I mean, let's be real. Toy Story has four movies. Do you think it honestly should have ended at three where Andy goes off to co- Spoiler, Andy goes off to college and <gasps> gives his toys away to go. a new child. If you haven't um, seen it, I'm sorry. But it's been years. And then I, <laughs> do I you think, think that's too far? It's too far already. It's too far, yeah. I lost interest after like the second or third one. But I think, to answer your question, it is too much when you have basically told all of the you've completed all the emotional arcs you tied all the loose tied all of it together if you have like another good idea of a storyline that's impactful that like works for it that like you can start another storyline with that i'm not saying don't do that if you've Mm. tied it up one time you can if you have a genuine idea that is meaningful that is impactful that builds off of the original in a way that like continues it that feels like a natural continuation and still has its thematic center has a thoughtful kind of messaging to it because like we're talking about toy story which is like a children's animated film right but there was some heart to the original movies oh, no, like the first is. couple of movies the first two i would say oh, yeah. it's like there is like a an emotional center i would say to those movies so as long as you can have a meaningful emotional center that can get people invested in the story. As long as you can keep people invested in the story, you can keep going. If you can't, if you're just like churning it out to just churn more stuff out, that's when the quality suffers, and that's when people say you've gone too far. I, I think um, the moment that you're, you know, you're the you're the movie guy. You're sitting in your office and you're thinking, well, if we put out this new Toy Story movie, it'll make us a lot of money. Boom. As soon as your first thought is the money as opposed to the story you've gone too far and we are so far off the deep end at this point oh no yeah it's just like i mean i mean the end of toy story 3 was like it wrapped everything up nicely with a bow like you said natalie like all the loose ends were tied up and then toy story 4 comes out now shame on me i'm not gonna knock toy story 4 i haven't seen it i don't remember toy story 4 i haven't but it seems like they are kind of continuing with the kid that Andy left the toys to. <gasps> oh yes, and then but the, spoiler, the spoiler, spork thing. Can I can I spoil real quick? Are we good with that? Yeah, I I, go for okay. it. I don't care. The, the Bo Peep from the first movie oh, comes yeah. back. Oh yeah, I knew yeah. that. No, okay. I do remember I just, that. Like I've seen them, I just don't remember them. Yeah, I just wanted to throw that out. There. It's just like I think that's a, a okay like way to go. It just seems weird that like they named it Toy Story Four. It, but again, then again, like how are you supposed to read? title toy story like right. toy story the continuing adventures with bonnie and the toys like i don't know please but, no 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 <laughs> that, more sporky no more bonnie uh, i mean bonnie wasn't horrible i mean i don't yeah. i'm not saying she was i'm just saying that i'm i'm, I'm you, over you're, toy you're, story. you're, you're, you're done with you're like I'm over please toy story. end it end it you're ending my childhood all right look enough about the sequel remakes and the reboots and talks i know my takes on uh lame is were not that great but you know what is great are our uh, esports teams, our collegiate yeah. esports teams. 
So let's just get into it. Let's just get straight into it. You know, what has been going on in the last, like, recently, you know, a couple days or so. But uh, let's get into it. Let's start off with Rocket League. You know, car soccer. Akron went up car against. Soccer. I love car soccer. It's so amazing. Don't do don't do it in real life. Trust me. <laughs> you get a you get a soccer ball right under your bumper. It just doesn't work. <laughs> you got Akron went up against Ball State, which is you know how can ball be a state? You know how can a ball be a state? I don't know. <laughs> but in a best of five in the CRL, Akron went up against Ball State. This match went over well. You know some minor resistance from Ball State, but Akron ended up flying over them. Literally, when I say this, literally, Tristan made a nice bump into the goal, almost hitting the crossbar or the backboard, courtesy of Buzz, making it look all the way too easy. You know, it looked way too easy. It's not easy at all. And then game two, Akron would go on to win against Ball State, 3-1, to one, and then went on to play Bruton Parker, which is a place I've never heard of, or a university I've never heard of, but, you know, also ended in a win for your Zips Rocket League team, 3-1, to one, making us 2-0 and oh in the 2022 fall CRL season. And if you ever want to watch more of these matches and you want to see uh, the coverage, you know, just tune into the twitch.tv forward slash Zips Esports. You'll always catch not only Zips the Rocket League team, Esports. not only the Rocket League team, but any team that is playing. They always go live also on their Twitter, uh, Twitter, you know, just search Akron Zips Esports. You'll find them. They always tweet out when they're streaming and going live. Only other team I'm going to cover for right now that was worthy. Well, they're all worthy of covering, but real fast because, you know. We're on a time crunch here, and Isabel doesn't like it when I make tree jokes. So <laughs> let me make not like a tree and talk about the Overwatch team. The Overwatch team went up against Northeastern Goldland. Let's just say that, you know, seeing the team back in action is a sight to behold for me as an Overwatch fan and an Overwatch player. The first set of maps was won by the Zips 2-0 when they were on Lijiang Towers, and then the second map on King's Row, which is a capture, like, payload hybrid map. So basically they just mm -hmm. capture a point, and then if they capture the point, then a payload comes out, and they have to push this payload as far as they can to get points and whatnot. Um, so, yeah. King's Row, it was the capture payload hybrid map. Northeastern put up quite a fight as they nearly got the payload all the way to the end, but were just shot out by a few meters away from leaving a lot for Akron to make up for. But this is your Akron Zips. Let's not leave much to the imagination here. It was a massacre. The Zips took the point with relative oh, yeah. ease, started to move the payload with some resistance, from Northeastern as they got the payload to the first point after a Diva Bomb was thrown at them, a Sombra EMP, Ash's companion Bob was even thrown at them. All of them just thwarted and just got nothing, no use against Akron. Shoutouts to Seal as Junker Queen for the good use of their knife ability and more so Eric, you know, my favorite, as their mercy for just keeping the whole team alive and just playing as a good quote-unquote battle mercy play style and just keeping Seal alive the entire fight. I kid you not, just watching this entire play, you see the health bar go like below like 5%. I'm talking like 50 HP or so. And they just stayed alive the entire Love time. Love to see it. Love to see it. So shout outs to Eric and Seal for their dynamic duo there. The final push to the last objective to win the map was altastic. Well, that was a bad attempt at a pun, but Akron used <laughs> Akron used four ultimates to shut out Northeastern Gold from stopping them you know, to win the map and end the match 2-0. and And, but real fast they won against northeastern but this is a double header and akron faced rebel gaming next and it was a control map for the first round and let's just say i was worried but not for that long as akron and rebel gaming went back and forth a bit akron, akron was able to take control of the tide of the map with a little bit you know making it a 1-0 at the start and we went into the second map and it was opposite of the first round as rebel gaming were able to hold their ground and take a round win off akron and making it a 1-1 tiebreaker and then the final round of the map 
started strong with Akron holding it down, almost getting the job done. And then Rebel Gaming just came in with enough force and momentum, thanks to help to the great team kill that they all made against all five players of Akron, making me pace my room back and forth as Akron was forced into overtime, into this capture point objective, and was successful after a near team kill. But sadly, this victory was short-lived as the payload was not pushed far enough, and they would have hoped it would give them some slight breathing room as it was Rebel Gaming turned to attack and attack they did aggressively. They got the point almost unscathed, taking the high ground, and it just ended in a loss for Akron. I'm not going to go much further. Aww. It was unfortunate, but it was a great game to behold. You know, GG's to uh, Rebel Gaming and both Northeastern Gold. Uh, Akron is now 1-1 one one in the Overwatch League. And like I said, if hey, you ever want to... It happens. It happens. It happens. <laughs> but you know what? It's the beginning of the season. True. You know, you're not going to start undefeated every single time. But you know what? New game, new metas, 5v5, a lot of new <laughs> combinations and tactics to be had. I can't wait to see what the team does. And if you're excited as me, just follow them on Twitter at Akron Esports and look at them up. Look them up, excuse me, on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash Akron Zips Esports or just Zips Esports and tell them Sava, the support main who throws with gold medal healing, <laughs> sent them your way. That's all I got. And that's going to do it for the esports segment. Now, guys. Let's wrap things up in a different way. My that favorite esports. The everyone's favorite esports. <laughs> Minecraft. It's Minecraft, exactly. Woo. But instead of you know talking about just Minecraft, the actual game, you know, there's Minecraft parodies, you know, based off of actual songs. And we thought we'd sit here and you know at least you know mm-hmm. share what some of maybe our favorite Minecraft parodies are. Two of which were Maroon Five covers. Exactly. That we Shout out may Maroon or may 5. not have covered in our earlier episode where we talked about a Maroon 5 tier list. Check wink, it out. wink, nudge, nudge. You should totally listen to it. But also, we're going to say what we think the worst song was. So who would like to start? You know? Oh, me. Me. All right. me. <laughs> Definitely All right. me. So my favorite was Wrecking Mob because I just find it was so relatable. I build a nice house. I like work so hard on it. And then a creeper comes up and just blows it up oh man that has happened to me several times and like i would go to space and wrecking mob is based uh, off of miley cyrus's wrecking ball so it did kind of work yeah it was just it's amazing the little the little thumbnail for it is adorable too it has a creeper on a you know wrecking Wrecking ball ball. (laughs) coming in to (laughs) blow up the house uh my second one was don't mine at night i just I liked it. I thought it was yes, yes. I thought it was a real bop. There. Don't mind at night was don't really mind good. at night supremacy. Mm-hmm. Um, my third one, I liked supernatural mobs. It, like I thought it was kind of cool how they just like made this like kingdom. I like fantasy kingdoms and stuff like that. In case you haven't noticed, <laughs> totally kind of obvious. Totally not a trend at oh, all. Oh yeah, definitely not. So mm-hmm. like I I like that whole little thing with like the mob kingdom and just the little storyline that was in there, and the song was cool too. Mm-hmm. Um, my least favorite. Um, as much as I want to say, kid, I love that you are so passionate about Minecraft. He you had sounded like such you had so energy. much fun. You have amazing, but Mine Diamonds was <laughs> kind of painful to listen to. Mostly it was audio issues, not just, you know, the pitch, which I'm not trying to, you know, rag on this kid at all. You know, you, you do you, you sing loud and proud. I do all the time, whether you like it or not. So definitely keep keep it up. But from a Musical production, standpoint. from a production standpoint, even I'm not even gonna go into music. From a production standpoint, I could hear your breathing into the mic. It was like, like <sighs> <sighs> I could, I could hear it, uh. and it sounded like you recorded it on a phone. 
there is better audio equipment for recording covers of songs. I'm, I'm not expecting you to have it. Um, a phone works good, but try to maybe reduce the ambient background noise a little bit. Just my personal recommendation as a media studies student who sure. works with audio. Fair enough. Uh, you know what? I'll go next. You know, totally. And I say this with a straight face. Mine Diamonds was at the top. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Mine <laughs> so Diamonds, I, I I had it in my notes here. I should totally, I wrote meme. I should say Mine Diamonds is the favorite. No, I do give an honorable mention. I mean, the kid put his heart and soul into it. So, I mean. Absolutely. It, and every, and not, we are not trying to exactly. attack this kid. In everyone's hearts, he is number one. But yes. uh, I had to give an honorable, honorable mention. This song was not on our list, and it was Revenge. Revenge uh, is good. Revenge is technically my most favorite one but if i had to go you off could have of suggested it. i could have suggested it but you know what you I'm, snooze, I'm just, you lose. okay well you know what all right in my heart revenge is on the top of the list but t- on technicality take back the night is on the top of the list for us take back the night's good it, it's just it's so good night. it's like right there with fallen kingdom but take back the night just barely beats it out uh, yeah, I know. I was singing it the whole time too. I just, yeah. All of these are just so it, good. They're, like, they're so catchy, and it's just like it's Minecraft spinoffs honestly, with animations. Honestly, even was like it's like it's catchy. I could like, gush Mind about Mind Diamond's the, so good. It, Mind Diamond, it's yeah. all catchy. Minecraft parodies are the bestest things ever. I mean, I could gush about some of their um, like a quote unquote official music videos, but I'm not going to right now. But for the worst song, I had to say Creepers are terrible. I just did not think it was that catchy. It kind of worked with the song that they were parodying, and I give credit to that, mm-hmm. but just, like, stacked against all the others, I'm just like, yeah, I just wasn't yeah. digging it as I much. I mean, Worst of the Best is still good. Worst of the Best is still good, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's my list for Minecraft parodies. And then, I'm, I gotta hop in here. I gotta say my number one, Don't Mine at Night, so good. That's <laughs> so good. I just, I, it might be best song ever. Like, not even best Minecraft parody. It might it just be the best real, song ever. It's, it's just it is really a good, one. good. I'll give it that. And um, I did want to go ahead and give myself a quick little shout out. Um, my next uh, top two are uh, Minecraft songs that I've written myself. Ooh. And I, <laughs> okay. I did perform both of them. But those uh, the videos of those are locked away deep, deep in. Uh, Unlisted. Yeah, deep in a safe. <laughs> you cover so. the Minecraft covers? No, I wrote my own oh. Minecraft parody. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, it was. Um, we should make it a podcast exclusive. Yeah, maybe, maybe we'll edit that in later. Maybe. We'll see what we'll see what the editor thinks about that. <laughs> oh, I wonder. <laughs> Probably that not. Be. <laughs> but then, what was your least favorite song out of the list? I I can't pick a least favorite. They're really? all perfect. Um, this is my biome. I I performed one. I I performed. This is my biome live. So that one holds fond memories, but also it's a little cringy looking back now. Yeah. That one um, was payphone, by the way. True. Yeah. And Creepers are terrible. I, like you said, it's not the best on this list, but it's the still worst whole, of the it's best. Still pretty good. Still good. Still good. All right. That's going to do it for our Minecraft parody tier list, and that's going to do it for this episode. So, you know, if you are listening to this on the radio right now, I mean, hey, congrats. You made it through an entire East, uh, I almost said esports again. Ah, you made it through Entertainment Rebooted. We were glad that you were able to listen to us and enjoyed your time. Uh, you can catch the full version on any and all podcast platforms, whether it be Spotify, Apple, 
wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're listening on your smart fridge, let us know. I'm, I'm kind of curious, you know. Like, I always joke that people can, like, hack a smart fridge to play Wordle on. So, you know, if you actually did that, that's kind of cool. But as always, my name is Sava. Natalie. And my name's Isabel. And we'll see you guys. Well, we hope you'll listen to us next time. We'll see you guys later. Woo! In our denim jeans. <laughs> <laughs>